warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 296. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And you uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the leftovers. Long pause there, Jake. What the fuck, man? Uh, drama. You just creating an aura of suspense as to whether you were hearing that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just felt like just a tiny little pause might make it a little bit better. It did, I don't think it did. Make it better? Do you think that the intros have been lacking as of late? No, just trying to give it some spice. Ooh, wow. Look at you, Emerald. Bam. What the fuck, man? I I don't know. I I wasn't. (laughs) I don't think it added anything. I'm just, I'm letting you know. I'm throwing it out there. All right. So it wasn't the paprika of the intro there. No, no. It was more like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a boring spice. I don't know. It was like the Spice Girls, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Dillweed. Dillweed. Yeah. Dillweed. Who the fuck is buying Dillweed in 2019? Nah, someone. Somebody's buying it. I don't know. Fuck this episode already, guys. I am, <laughs> I am not feeling the best today, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to get through this one. Took some, uh, Jake took some allergy medicine, and uh, it cleared my head, cleared my sinuses. But man, do I! It's got an expectorant in it, and man, do I feel jittery and lightheaded as fuck right now. Oh yeah, that's really shitty. I, I hate having to take like over the counter medicine just for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, it's like I could have taken Benadryl last night, but then I'd be groggy all day. So I take this stuff, and sometimes it helps. And I didn't need a lot today, so I'm on an empty stomach, and that probably doesn't help matters. So, you know, I'm making excuses for the worst episode ever, the impending worst episode ever. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on an empty stomach this one, too. I just haven't been feeling the greatest, but yeah, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah, there we go. I can't wait for that iTunes review. It was fine. I mean, there's all this charisma. How can we go wrong? Three stars. It was fine. 
Hey, that's one thing. I didn't even pull up the iTunes reviews this week. They're not even up. Oh, the fuck. We're doomed. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> so out of it. We do have a guest, so I'm going to have our guest jump on and start talking about some stuff. That way uh, I can uh, pull up these uh, iTunes reviews. Welcome guest, Rebecca Daling. Hello. I am guest. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed going as long as possible there before introducing you, Rebecca. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. It doesn't bother me any. <laughs> I'm going to have to pull these fucking things up on my phone. This is stupid. This whole episode's just gone to shit. <laughs> Already? Yeah. yeah. Five minutes too. in? <laughs> We're not even... It's two minutes and 52 seconds into the actual episode here. Oh, man. It was, like, gone in 60 seconds, the podcast version. Oh, man. You're uh, calling back to that uh, Nicolas Cage movie. Was that a remake, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a remake. This is fun. This is a fun discussion we're having. <laughs> I, should, I, should ta- I should take this medicine every week. <laughs> yeah, it's really the paprika of this episode, for sure. Yeah, so I listened. Uh, main host never found his bearings. Um, <laughs> it's Complained about shakiness multiple times for hours. Oh, my God. I know. At one point, started eating into the microphone. God. Oh, man. What the fuck? There we go. There we go. All right. Got iTunes reviews ready. And uh, ready to do that. Hey, I, uh, yesterday was the uh, unofficial Twitter. Had it as the uh, kind of like the unofficial. They christened it the Sean Astin Day. And uh, he was tr- trending on Twitter. And uh, I wake up to this and I check my tweets. And one of my tweets that I had posted three days prior started to get... Uh, multiple uh, hearts on it, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And uh, Sean Aston had retweeted me. That that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. I, it it was a Patty Duke post that I made, and Patty Duke with his, was his mother. So I just thought it was really cool that that had happened. That is very cool. Yeah, not every yeah. day you get uh, retweeted by uh, Mikey from Goonies. Very yeah. true. I'm always shocked when I see someone trending and, like, hoping it's for a good reason. So I was glad to see it was Sean Astin Appreciation Day and not the worst. It took me forever to even figure out how that happened. I guess they, he just posted some picture with otters, and it caused everyone to go crazy. Yeah. Now, the day before, it was Michael Cera was trending for some reason. Really weird. Maybe this episode right. will start trending. You know, shaky podcast guy. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> hashtag shaky. Hashtag shaky McGee. Uh, hashtag shaky Saturday. Yeah, shaky Saturday. They won't get the episode till Sunday, but I get your reference. Yeah, I guess at least that has alliteration, too. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, fuck this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let's see here. Let's uh, move on into our iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews. Uh, first one here um, comes from uh, Homelander's Kid, and it's a five star, and it's titled "Poppin' Culture." What is that? What is that for? Poppin' Pop culture. 
Oh, pop boy. and or pop in? P-O-P-P-I-N. Pop and culture. Oh, I thought, I thought it was pop and culture. No, oh. I thought it was pop and culture, and that's definitely what made me laugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, what, what, uh, what's so funny about that? I mean, it kind of implies that if, if that's what he's branding our show, it kind of implies that we're hip in some way. You know, like, yeah. And got- so the whole thing seems to be falling off the rails. I just think, you know, it's like, uh, you know, popcorn, it's popping. And our show, the more it heats up, we just start popping. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to defend this guy. It's a five star. And I was going to say, damn it, I lost the first two hours of this written review. So you're just getting my leftovers. He said, that's in reference to, uh, two weeks ago when I lost the first two hours of the podcast. And uh, made that known to everybody as I screamed it throughout the episode. Uh, amazing listen for those of us that love mainstream and under-the-radar shows and movies. Real people portraying their real issues while reviewing and previewing the stuff that takes our mind off of life's struggles. Well done, PCL team. And that comes from Homelander's Kid. That's again, a pretty good review. Once you get past that, I'm not a big fan of the joke about us missing the two hours of the episode. Once you get past that, it really it warmed it warmed up. Uh, Rebecca, yeah, are you going to critique this thing like Jake? That thing well, you're doing? I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so it's so not it's not weird, but like it's a thing where people write very topical iTunes reviews about stuff that like very specifically happened in one episode. Like, I feel like. You know, two years from now, if somebody's looking at iTunes reviews, they're going to be like, what the fuck does that even mean? But, uh, I mean, it's like an inside joke for people who listen. I think it should. It's like a, it's like a little bit of endearment, you know? I get it. Like, uh, it's very for that one episode because we don't have like a lot of ongoing running gags. I think, I think that's fucking stupid when you, I don't know, when you hang your hat on like one fucking thing. We like to Mm -hmm. do it differently every week with different jokes and stuff. But, you know, I, I think, like, what our reviews... I mean, I guess you could look at other reviews sometimes on other podcasts, and it's just like, great show, can't wait to listen. Like, this one, it's it's a, it's a long it's a longer review, and it just kind of shows that uh, he listens. And for people, when they read this, they're like, oh, wow, this is... Look at this, you know? This guy, uh, he's referencing something that happened in the show, or, like, what's this about? Maybe it'll pique the curiosity. You guys are mm. just like, fuck your review. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I think I do side in Rebecca's camp. It's like, what the fuck? This is the place where you're trying to get new listeners, not make little Easter egg jokes for the people already listening. I think it's, uh, well, they know they're gonna, I'm going to read them on the show. So it's like uh, he's being topical about what happened a couple weeks ago, you know? And it kind of did turn into a little bit of a joke after, like, the initial shock of losing the first two hours wore off. I think you guys yeah. are being a little too nitpicky. <laughs> no, this is like a this may be a five star review for us but it's about a three star review I'm giving it five I'm giving it the full five the full five or five dollar foot long happening over here <laughs> you know they lost that after Fogel got busted yeah they did yeah. is it because like he's the one that like promoted it it's because uh, foot long could be associated with this penis that he was using to do things <laughs> I mean, Jake, think about all the memes that will come out of $5 foot long with Jared Fogle. 
probably a smart PR move, I guess. I didn't even think about that. You didn't understand that? You don't understand this iTunes review either. It's a fantastic review, Homelander's Kid. You did a great job. I love it. People are going to read it, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh. Look look at the detail. Look at the things that he's pulling in. I, I want to know what that's about. I'm going to go back and listen. I'm going to go back and listen. That's what they're saying to themselves, Jake. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking if it wasn't a joke and there is like a lost two hours of review, it has to be better than this. Oh, whatever. Whatever. I think it's fantastic. I think you guys are a little nitpicky. Uh, let's see here. Next one comes from uh, Pumpkin Nuts 06. <laughs> <laughs> Pumpkin Nuts. <laughs> and uh, it's titled Love the Show, and it's a five star. I've been listening to this show for some time now probably since Ready Player One. And God, is it enjoyable as a 12-year-old nerd. Holy shit, Jake. We gotta, yeah, I had, I'm, not, I'm not done reading it, but I, I just want to kind of like stop here, collect our thoughts. We have a 12-year-old listening to the show, oh Jake. Boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let's boy. Let's see, Ready, Ready Player One came out, what, a year ago? Yeah, yeah, so, I suppose. Yeah, last so he summer. Was, he's, he was 11 at one point listening? Yeah, he's 11. That's how uh, age works. <laughs> <laughs> what's scary, you know, what's scary to me is that, uh, in, in a way, we're kind of holding this boy's hand during puberty and, like, not in a creepy Kevin Spacey way. You know what I mean? We're kind of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of bizarre. Not in a Fogel way. <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is very strange that you would have someone that young listening to our show of all shows. Well, what, parents, what are you doing? <laughs> Failing miserably. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you get to hear their reviews and have a great time while doing it. This show is one of the only, po- is one of the only podcasts I ever listen to now. I hope to see more and keep up the great work. All right, Jake. Flame it. Destroy this one. What's the big? What's I don't know. It's just it's just basic. There's really nothing to really incinerate here. It's just kind of. I mean, I guess if I put it in the context of a 12 year old wrote, wrote it, that makes it a little bit better. Oh man, it was, it was decent enough. If this was written by an adult, I would roll over and die. But for a 12 year old, it's not bad. You are roll you, over and die. What are you oh talking God. about? I don't. I don't. I think. I think you're looking for stuff that it, this, this isn't there. I don't get it. Roll over and die. He says. I get to hear the reviews. It's a great time. It's one of the only podcasts I listen to. Keep up the great work. And that's roll over and die material for somebody in their 30s or 40s. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, maybe not roll over. You are and die, reaching. Take, take a take a long nap. Take a long nap. <laughs> You are reaching. Like, I, okay, I will totally agree with you with, like, with, when these iTunes reviews are stupid and warranted, but this, come on. Come the fuck on. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's almost a bigger sin than stupid. It's just boring. Oh my god. He says that our reviews are great. He enjoys listening to us, and we are now, te- you're telling a 12 year old he's boring. Yeah, dude, get get some charisma, kid. Oh, come on. You need to... <laughs> you... Stop it. You're fucking terrible. That's oh, fucking no terrible. There. Some charisma. That's horrible. I, I thought it was a very nice review. I thought it was very... That was very genuine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. Jesus Christ. 
Oh, I, mean, I don't, don't take this as I want you to read it. Read it again, but I forget it all already. It was so boring. Wow. Oh man, you're 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 doing this. You're you're really uh, you're sticking to your guns, and you're you're really just destroying this one. And it's not not even warranted at all. That's terrible. Twelve year old. I I kind of I kind of agree with that point. That's terrible. It's really not warranted. I I agree. Oh, man. Oh man. I don't even know what to say right now. Jesus Christ. And this was this was from Pumpkin Nuts the Sixth. Uh, I would have expected a more exciting review from somebody named Pumpkin Nuts 06. From somebody named Pumpkin Nuts 06, I would have expected a wilder review from them. With that name, with that name. Exciting part. Then yeah, the name is my, get out of here. Jesus Christ, you're terrible. That's horrible, man. It is a great review. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Probably won't be listening anymore. But I appreciate the review regardless. Oh my god, I don't know. That's I'm just sorry. I, I feel you're making me feel guilty about it. You should. I, I, that's uh, you definitely should. <laughs> like that's kind of the reason why I'm de- reacting this way. A twelve year old's listening to the show, and you're just like, eh, I didn't get enough out of it. What's going on in your twelve year old mind? You boring shit. Like, come on. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. I mean, maybe he's a better speaker than a writer. Ah, uh, ah, uh, oh yeah. Oh god. Oh my god, Rebecca, chime in here. Like, I come mean, on. I, I don't know. I thought it was a very nice review. I thought it was, it was very to the point. It was genuine. I like the show. This is how old I am. Uh, it's like the only show I listen to. Keep up the good work. I what's I don't know what's not to love about that review. It was just boring. I have no thrills. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought it was the, the fact fuck? that he's twelve. I think makes the review uh, very sweet. You think you want very sweet? Really? You, you think are- it has to be like the awe factor? What the fuck? These are fucking iTunes reviews. He's not writing a goddamn novel. It's not like Tolkien's writing there and back again. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> it's a fucking iTunes review from a twelve-year-old. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me! I mean, what do you? It was a sweet I, review. No, I, what I expect is like maybe to bite your tongue a little bit and not not call him a boring kid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Throwing that one out there. <laughs> what, oh, what do you expect? What do you expect me to do, Brian? I'm not painting him as a boring kid. Oh. I'm painting this as a boring review. Oh, okay. In other facets of his life, in his pumpkin nuts world, he may be a wild child. But in this review, <laughs> I didn't get that. So I'm going to let you know you're boring. <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck you. I, I'm sticking up for the kid. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm good on sticking up for the kid. It's too <laughs> late for me. God. Oh my god. Fucking terrible. Oh my god. I get it. I get it. I mean, I concede. I, I feel bad now. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. As you should, sir. He's a 12-year-old boy growing up and he's very impressionable right now and you might you might be his favorite podcaster jake you very well could be his favorite podcaster and here you are oh my goodness jake man i'm just laying it on thick aren't i 
I, I do. I feel bad. I'm fucking spreading it like goddamn Nutella on toast, which is probably <laughs> too boring for you. Jake's like, couldn't you find a fancier, more exciting spread? No. Even a single metaphor is less boring than that review of uh, whatever it is. Oh, uh, you're back on this shit. Back on this shit. It was a compliment to you. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's it, you're, you're also fucking you're, – you're taking him down another notch. Oh, I didn't mean to. I, I We got to move on. I can't – I I feel bad, but I, I still can't stop talking trash, I don't think. I know. I know. You're just like, I'm going to dig my heels in on this one. I'm going to dig my heels on this one. You should be ashamed, sir. Shame. I don't even mean to. I don't even mean to. It's a subconscious choice. Fucking even, shame. Which makes me feel worse. I, 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 you already have your head shaved, but I want you to take that fucking walk of shame. I don't ring that bell the whole time. <laughs> do I get to be nude? Oh, please, no cover up. <laughs> this 12 year old's got more than you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Man. I hope so. I hope he's, he's winning somewhere. Oh man. No, you're winning at life, sir. Your 12 year old child listens to our show. This is the future and Dave's, uh, Dave, uh, Jake is pushing the future away. The future. I was, I'm, I'm a little confused that we're going to celebrate a 12 year old listener, I guess. So, oh, so we should shame them on the, publicly shame them on the show? Oh no, no. My option is definitely not better. I agree there. I didn't start really <laughs> celebrating this until you started shitting on a 12-year-old child. <laughs> I was I, It's not like I fucking was throwing a party over here for the kid. Hey, yeah, I hope all 12-year-olds listen to this fucking very adult content that we get into every week. You know, we talk about pop culture with an adult spin. Yeah, 12-year-olds are all invited. It's not like I would ever fucking do a panel and invite children. I would love to see the kids like Google history while he like listened to our episodes, like how many things like. Oh, uh, like, sh- you'd be bored by it. I'll tell you that much. Oh what's, no way! This, what's this kid looking at? Yeah, you'd be bored by it. <laughs> so I'm a, now I'm attacking you. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's like that uh, Big Brother instinct. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, it's a it's a it's a rough age, and then he's going through that Stranger Things age. And you're, you're, you're that, uh, you're, you're one of those, you're Keeper Sutherland in, uh, fucking Stand By Me right now. With your, I apologize, with your, Pumpkin with, Nuts. With I'm the, sure you're a quality kid. Hey, we're hanging out with your greaser buddies and driving your car and scaring children. <laughs> Taking Halloween bags. Ah, terrible. Let's, let's move on. I might circle back to this one now. I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> What a weird way to start. Rebecca, how uncomfortable are you right now? <laughs> oh, I'm fine. This is not this is not Force Ghost Leia uncomfortable. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Uh let's see here. I wanted to let everybody know I was on a uh actually been on a couple podcasts recently. Uh check out uh but two episodes are up right now. I was on two episodes of the Real Zodiac, and that's R-E-E-L Zodiac. And uh, we reviewed the Bad News Bears on one episode, and on the other episode, we reviewed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so I talked with Amanda and Quentin, and they were fantastic. So give it a listen. The Real Zodiac had a great time talking with them. Um, the OA has been canceled. I wanted to bring that up. So if you're a fan of the OA and you didn't know that it was canceled... Get on Twitter, get on Facebook, use the hashtags, save the OA, renew OA, and, uh, you know, tweet Netflix. Let them know that you're upset that you're a fan and now that the show is gone. There was, uh, 
the way the second season ended was just kind of like a, a huge mind fuck. And so when I read this, you guys aren't going to get it because you, you don't watch DOA to my knowledge. But uh, people that have finished the second season uh, will get it. It's uh, It was an article from Insider.com, and it was titled, Why Superfans Are Convinced Netflix's Cancellation of the OA is a Fake-Out that Plays into the Mind-Melting Season 2 Cliffhanger. And it goes on to say, wow. now some people, particularly in the Reddit community dedicated to the OA, are beginning to think the show isn't really canceled, but that Netflix's statements are part of a fourth wall breaking narrative built into the second season. So I find that fascinating. Um, I guess ne- as far as I've seen, I'm on the OA Reddit board, which has for the past three years just been a fantastic source for OA memes, OA theories, and just a great community of people that are fans of the OA. And um, there have been so many different, um, you know, people trying to get get people to use the hashtag. Uh, They are setting up a day where everybody is going to cancel their Netflix subscriptions. And at the end of the survey, it asks you, like, why are you leaving? And these people are saying because you canceled DOA. Like, these are hardcore, diehard fans. And um, one of these theories is... And it's because of the way the second season ended. And I can see, like, why they're thinking this possibly. And I've also been reading that Netflix hasn't come out and said it's been canceled. But star Britt Marling, she has tweeted it. And some of the other uh, actors that are on the show have tweeted that it's been canceled. But I don't believe there's been, and I could be wrong, but I haven't seen or heard of an official announcement from Netflix. So if this is some sort of a ruse, some sort of a fourth wall breaking narrative that's built into the second season, I would be amazed. I think the show is canceled, which is unfortunate. But if you know how that second season ended, like if this is the truth, this Jake, this is just insane marketing if they're doing it this yeah, way. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by this story. Um I, I don't watch the OA. But I, honestly, nothing has made me want to watch it more than than this news. I, I just find it crazy. Like, it, to what end would they pull this ruse too? Like, I uh, I agree with you that I think it's legit canceled. But yeah. if it's not, what the fuck? Like, why would why would Netflix like play on the fact that they cancel shows right before the third season? A lot of times, like, I feel like they wouldn't be game for that kind of like meta commentary. Yeah, which is. You know, but maybe, I don't know, you know, it, it's very bizarre. It is bizarre. Um, it's just the way that second season ended, like, now something, a story like this makes sense. Like, if it were, it's like, if this did come to fruition, this makes sense. And so fans of the OA know exactly what I'm talking about. And if we never get to see, and I'll be pissed if they just give us a two-hour movie like Sense8. Like, you can't wrap up the OA in fucking two hours. So don't even pull that shit. Give me a full fucking season. But, like, if we never get to see the resolution to season two, I mean, that's going to be heartbreaking to so many people. And I just think that this show is so out of the box and so different that no other network is going to be able to pick this one up. I just don't think anybody else is going to pick this one up because it it's so out of the box and so different. Nobody's doing anything like this. This is just batshit crazy. 
and what you thought you knew about the first season, by the time you get to the second season, it's a completely different game, and you can throw all your theories after you finish season one, you can throw all your theories out the window because the show is just bat fucking shit crazy. So we'll see what happens with the OA. I um, I do, for one, think it has been canceled. But use those hashtags, hashtag save the OA, on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, let's see here. Got a question for you. Um, what if... This uh, <laughs> is stupid. Oh. I... Okay, what if we lived in a world, and this is fucked up, let's say tomorrow you wake up and we find out that Pokemon are real. How long before we find a way to eat them? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Uh, Pretty quickly. Days. Yeah, yeah, I, I think days is right, and I think right behind that... Uh, by just a couple of hours will be all of the um, don't eat Pokemon um, protesters uh, about why you shouldn't eat them. Yeah, I I, I think it'd be pretty quick. I think like within, you know, after everything wears off, I think we're going to find out in some country it's like, you know, they're serving side duck at like fucking Chinese restaurants or something. You know what I mean, Jake? (laughs) One of them looks straight up like cattle. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I, that, one, that, one, that one's done for, right? He's a he's a baseball glove. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Which okay, if you had to eat one of the Pokemon, Jake, which one are you gonna? Which one are you eating? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the one I wouldn't, I would feel the least bad about would be Magikarp. Yeah, Magikarp. Yeah, eat away, right? It just looks like fish. I would eat a a bell sprout and oddish salad. Oh, that sounds good. I bet Oddish tastes just like a fucking radish. Yeah, it's totally. It just looks like a radish. I bet it tastes like a radish as well. Oh, that's a good fucking answer. Yeah. I want to eat an Oddish now too. <laughs> I don't think Pidgey. I don't think Pidgey. I, do you think somebody would make a Pidgey pie pie? A Pidgey. Ooh, a yeah, Pidgey that, pie. That does not sound good. Yeah, that sounds weird. Like right on the nose. Like, yeah, like, not not appetizing. Yeah. I, don't yeah, I think know. just like real animals, some of them would be kind of taboo to eat, right? You wouldn't want to eat the rattata. No, you don't want to eat a rattata. I don't know. I would eat the rattata frittata. <laughs> rattata frittata. <laughs> I mean, the name is good. <laughs> yeah. I would try, yeah. You know, how long before fucking, uh, you know, Wendy's starts serving these fucking Pokemon? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, w- I would eat a Jigglypuff pastry. Jigglypuff pastry. They just, they look like a pastry, Jake. I doubt that. I, they're going to start bleeding, dude. Like it's, you know what I mean? You cut one of those things open, they're going to start bleeding. There's going to be blood. They have their that's own the anatomy. Jo- that's the jelly filling. I don't know. But I, I I don't know about that, man. I think it's like legit blood, dude. I think they'll have like a, a skull and lungs. I, they'll no, no. I think I think there's there's jelly filling in them like a jelly donut. Oh, you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I do That's like a, to think that because I fucking love jelly donuts. But so yeah, you're, you're gonna, you're, you're, so so you're gonna cut open a live creature just so you can eat the jelly inside of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that if the Jigglypuff is full of delicious jelly, like a jelly donut, I'm not saying it has to be alive when I eat it. That's just terrible. But like, yeah, like I'm sure we would humanely kill it and deep fry it and cover it in sugar, and it would be delicious. 
Oh, go to the go to the carnival and you got eating your fried jigglypuff. Yeah, come on, why not? They fry everything else. Oh man, <laughs> I like the way Rebecca thinks. <laughs> uh, how long before we get Pokemon porn? How long before we get somebody oh, fucking porn? one of them? Yeah, it's after after we eat them for sure, but not much not much further. Uh, so, and all forms of it too, right? People will go nuts with that. Yeah, sure. You guys are fucked up. I I I don't think there's any I don't think there's any fucking frosting inside of a Jigglypuff, guys. I don't think it's going to be all jelly and frosting. I think there's there's I think there's bones in there. I think there's a skull. I think there's two. Oh a, yeah, a, you're not eating the things raw. There's a you beating gotta, gotta heart. Them. I just think yeah, your I, I think I, your anatomy of them is all wrong. Like I don't I. Okay, but like, okay, in theory, okay, let's say... The biology of a Jigglypuff is probably like bones, a beating heart, blood, and you guys are like, right. oh yeah, let's crack one open and see if there's fucking a Reese's Peanut Butter try or something. <laughs> like, I'm saying that in in the midst of all of that is a jelly-filling center, yeah. and that if you remove if you remove the other stuff and then you deep-fry it, you eat it like a jelly donut. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I want to go to Rebecca's restaurant where all you hear is the screams of a jigglypuff. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. Yeah, every time somebody, anytime a pastry chef opens the back fucking door, why are we put? Why, why are we putting muscle tissue in pastry? Rebecca, how many times we got to tell you they're not made of jelly? <laughs> you guys are oh, fucking the wailing wrong. screams of the jigglypuffs. I know. I know. <laughs> You guys are, I don't know, man. They just look really soft and squishy. I don't, I don't think there's many bones in there. I think you're assigning, uh, uh, parts to that uh, Pokemon that don't exist. Do you think that there might be, uh, there might be feelings in there? You think there might be some feelings? (laughs) Well, I think all living things have feelings, but we still eat animals. Like, (laughs) I mean, if, if I was like, I mean, I'm not a vegan. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I don't eat meat. I eat meat. I'm sure cows and pigs have feelings too, but I I eat them. <laughs> That's a good point. I just I, it's just <laughs> it's just kind of it's kind of fucked up, you know. Like I think the, you know the easiest thing to eat would be the Snorlax, man. It's already sleeping. You don't really have to. You know what I mean, Jake? I think you just walk up to. I it. don't know those things. That's just a big. That's a bigger example of what you were just describing. <laughs> Of a, of a Jigglypuff? Well, I, I think its anatomy is going to be basically the same as a Jigglypuff. I'm not saying it's full of pastries. It's got fucking meat in it. I'm going to be, oh, yeah, I'm going to be yeah, fucking yeah. making a Snorlax steak by the end of the night, Jake. See, that's uh, why I started with the magic card. You've, you, you've convinced me. Like, I want Rebecca to be right, but I know you to be right. At this you, <laughs> you, you want Rebecca to be right that inside of a Jigglypuff is fucking like frosting cream and, and jelly. Yeah, is that a wrong thing to want? I mean, why can't than the alternative. why can't you make these ingredients from stuff that isn't alive? <laughs> why can't you just fucking make? You know what I mean? Do I can't I, you just? But you proposed the question about eating Pokemon, and I'm saying that if we're going to eat Pokemon, I don't think they're all savory. I think some of them will be sweet, and I think the Jigglypuff is one of them. Yeah, well, fucking eat a fucking uh, hostess ho ho or something, or it. You don't have to fucking the thing screaming as you're pulling it away from its mother. Yeah, oh, because the, the young ones taste better. You know, <laughs> there's one that looks like a straight up like cherry. It's got like a cute little face on it. Like, how is that thing reacting when you eat it? 
It's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's screaming out loud in terror. Why would, why would God make it look that way? <laughs> well, oh my God. <laughs> you got, it's like Christmas to you guys. New foods. Yay. We get to, we get to tear into new shit. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, you gotta catch all the flavors. Yeah, uh, gotta eat them all. Uh, let's see here. I got a Michael Cannon mashup. Uh, I don't even know if uh, he has time to do this one, but I do have one. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, and it's in honor of Andy Circus. We'll talk about it later. Honor of Andy Circus being the uh, director for Venom 2. Uh, it's the, uh, Andy Circus Circus. So it's like a mashup of, uh, Barnum and Bailey and, uh, Andy Circus himself. And it's, it's just a circus that features all of the characters that he's, uh, voice acted over the years and done motion capture on. So you've got Gollum and and uh, Caesar the ape and uh, Baloo and uh, and Snoke and uh, and uh, King Kong from uh, the Peter Jackson 2005 reboot. So it's uh, Andy Circus Circus. I, I kind of love that. <laughs> what, what circus act do you think Snoke is doing? Yeah, which one do you want to eat first? <laughs> Between those? Yeah. I don't know. You wanna, I don't know. That's wanna, a tough choice. Definitely ta- not Snoke. Oh, you want to tear into some Gollum then, huh? Maybe, maybe Snoke. I'm starting to, you know, you put some spices on that. It might be like very beef jerky. Yeah, Rebecca, I hear Baloo is just full of uh, <laughs> cream <laughs> or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Andy Circus Circus. Fuck this episode. All right. Rebecca disappeared on us. She ran away. Yeah, she did. Rebecca, are you, are you there? What's going on? Now yeah, she's gone. Let's say, uh, <laughs> take, let's take a quick pause here. Sounds good. All right. Hey, we are back and we do have, uh, Rebecca back with us this time. Uh, welcome back, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> and she's muted. Yeah, here I am. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, you didn't expect, uh, you didn't expect me to address you, did you? This is not, this is, technology is not working in my favor today. I, I really just, um, I've had it with technology today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had, I had it with technology last week. I totally get it. Guys, we're going to jump into uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So I wanted to let everybody know a couple things right here off the bat. Uh, I watched for the first time in 10 years since I initially watched it in the theater. Uh, I watched Inglorious Bastards, Quentin Tarantino's uh, World War II movie. Mm. And uh, if you... Remember my thoughts on the movie. I was not a fan of it the first time. It's the only Quentin Tarantino movie that I'm not a big fan of. And I've said that multiple times on the podcast. Has my opinion changed over the decade? And I will tell you that it has 100%. I fucking loved this movie. I, <gasps> oh, wow. 
that. Fucking love this movie. I loved my experience watching it. I was glued to the TV, and I think that this is just a fucking masterpiece. It is so incredible. I loved every minute of this. I don't know what it was that I didn't like. I think it was, I think it was because I was in a space where I had been watching, you know, like Saving Private Ryan. I'd been watching Band of Brothers, stuff like that. And I honestly feel like after watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that going and, and what he does in that movie prepared me for what happens in this movie. Uh, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that for, uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. Right. Thank you. So I love Inglorious Bastards. If you do want to watch it, it is on Netflix, people. This is an absolute Tupperware in my opinion. And uh, I, I fucking love the movie. And I will probably watch it many more times uh, for years to come. So, yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of Inglorious Bastards. That's awesome. You know, I think I'm ready to revisit almost every Clinton Tarantino movie. I think it's been quite a long time for almost all of them for me. I'm kind of really excited to watch like Reservoir Dogs and mm. Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction again. It's been a long time for all of those. For me, I've watched most of those very recently. I think the two that I haven't watched in the longest time have to be Jackie Brown and Django. But I, everything else I've watched within the last two years. Oh, man, I love Jackie Brown. It's got one of the best soundtracks of all of his movies, oh, in I, my opinion. Jackie Brown's phenomenal. I love that fucking movie. Uh, Bridget Fonda, not acting anymore, but she's great in that movie. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Her, it, her character, it's so crazy how that ends up. And, yeah, De Niro's so great. I think Chris Tucker, it's one of his, it's a very small role, but mm -hmm. one of his best. Yeah. Uh, watch the, uh, HBO season finale for Euphoria. This is a show that we reviewed the first, I think the first three or four episodes, maybe even, yeah, three or four episodes, uh, weeks ago. And I was loving the show. It's a Sam Levinson show, the same guy that did Assassination Nation. Rebecca, I got the feeling from you, I haven't seen anything from you. I got the feeling that you dropped off this one. I just haven't gone back to it. Um... Like, it's not like I don't want to. Um, I've been watching other stuff, and I've also been kind of like, every time I think to go back to it, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's so, the first one was so hard to watch. Um, not that it's bad or, or badly made. Just, it, it was yeah. a tough material to watch. Um, I, I, I think it's one of those shows where I kind of have to sit down and, like, make myself watch it. And um, But I do want to get back to it. And I'm interested to hear what you think about it, having watched more of it. I – this is one of the best shows this year. Like, this is just absolute fantastic. Um, I Tupperware this show. It is incredible. Oh, wow. Yes, it, there are things that are cringeworthy in this. But, uh, you know, me being a Sam Levinson fan, and I'm not saying like, oh, I've been a Sam Levinson fan for years. This started last year with Assassination Nation, which was a movie that really surprised me. Brought it up in the Tupperware's Awards show uh, this year when we recorded that. I really loved Assassination Nation. I, I love what Sam Levinson kind of does um, with uh, – it, it is after the first – episode Rebecca I, I understand like there is a lot of toxic masculinity in in that first episode but those things get addressed mm -hmm. if you're familiar with uh, Sam Levinson like those things they will get addressed and they will um 
Oh, man. I, I, I'm really looking forward to season two. I think it did get, I think it got. I'm pretty sure it got renewed. Yeah. But I'm really, I, Zendaya is just an incredible actor. We're lucky to have her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe being in the Spider-Man films as MJ. She is absolutely incredible. Um, so I, I Tupperware this. I, I think everybody, uh, should watch it. Um, don't, Rebecca, maybe get back to it and maybe give it, yeah. How many episodes did you watch? Just the first? I only watched the first okay. one. And yeah, like I, it's not, again, it's not like I, I saw one episode and I swore off, swore it off. It yeah. was like, I'm not watching any more of this crap. Like, that's not how I feel at all. It was more of just that it was hard to watch. And, um, I, I, it's, yeah, but I, I'm really excited that you gave it to Tupperware and I've heard a lot of people online talking about how much they love the show mm-hmm. and particularly praising Zendaya, yes. how amazing she is. So I, and just from that first episode, like I thought she did an amazing job playing a character so different from MJ, which is, you know, kind of, I guess, one of the, first big things that she's done as far as like acting goes but um yeah i i do want to get back to it i do it's definitely on my radar to to finish the show yeah i i also have to give like huge props to uh hunter schaefer who plays uh jules just an amazing actor i am just <laughs> i'm flabbergasted i am i really i'm flabbergasted i i, I just like, this is like hunter's first role in anything um basically before that was just kind of like a model and now um this actor hunter is just so incredible on this show and so i hope that uh this actor just uh their career flourishes because it was just just an incredible season and hbo's lucky to have this series uh uh on their service um, real quick, I am still watching. I want everybody to know as far as animes are going, I'm still watching Demon Slayer, Dr. Stone, and Fire Force. I need to jump back on Vinland Saga. I, I watched the first two episodes, really enjoy it. I've kind of like let that one go by the wayside for no good reason. That's one that I need to get back on because I was really enjoying that anime with the vikings and it's a it's a really cool story and i've seen a lot of people tweeting about vinland saga so i gotta get back on it um so yeah definitely check out demon slayer dr stone fire force and vinland saga if you have crunchyroll funimation and verve and uh i think hulu even has maybe a couple of these so definitely check them out rebecca yo Boom, boom. <laughs> Let's talk about this one. This is Beverly Hills 90210, the reboot. Um, they, uh, how many episodes are we getting? Six episodes for this? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it's like a six episode. I don't know if they're just doing a one season kind of thing here. Um, Rebecca, I was, uh, you know, I grew up in the nineties watching 90210, uh, one of my favorite shows, like I, 1990, I was 12 and here I am. I was the same age as that kid that you were chastising earlier in the episode, Jake. (laughs) 
I, I don't know what you're talking just about. To, just to bring it back. <laughs> just to bring it back, you know. I was his age. I don't, I don't recall any of this. I was, I was also facing bullying back then. So, man, <laughs> standing, standing strong with you, pumpkin nuts. I said that with a straight face. Pumpkin nuts, that thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is something I've been looking forward to since they announced it. I didn't know how it was going to turn out since Luke Perry has passed and, and, uh, he's not, you know, they didn't get to film anything with Luke Perry, but they have all of the, uh, original returning cast coming back here to do episodes for this reunion show. Even Shannon Doherty, who left the show, I believe in the fourth season and it was, kind of like arguments that she had with Aaron Spelling, uh, the creator of the show. Aaron Spelling kind of like did a lot for uh, at least 80s and 90s television. I think he was also behind like, uh, you know, Saved by the Bell and some other stuff. But he, you know, was really involved in in, uh, in television in those years. You remember they had the biggest house or something like that with the most rooms or something, Rebecca? Did you ever hear that? Yeah, yeah. I did hear that. Yeah. Wasn't he behind Charmed? Wasn't that a show? Mm-hmm. Possibly, I never, I never watched Charmed. Hmm. That had uh, Shannon Doherty on it too, though, so mm-hmm. that would be weird if she just came right yeah. back to do that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here, but this one, uh, the episode starts off, and you've kind of got like the gang back together, and you've got uh, you know Brandon working at the Peach Pit. You got everybody showing up at the Peach Pit, just like the old days. Mm-hmm. And then what happens, Rebecca? Yeah, um, so I'm watching it in this opening scene, and I'm just like, first I was like really confused because I'm like, this was not how the show left off. What is this? And it turns out it's it's Donna having a dream or a, yeah, like a like a daydream where it's like um, they're all together in Beverly Hills, nine hundred two one zero. Except that it's not Donna, it's, it's Tori Spelling. So it's like, it's the actual actors. They are being themselves and they are reuniting for 90210. Yeah, they're doing conventions together, like, you know, for the 30th anniversary of the show. Yeah, exactly. So it, it does start off, um, kind of dreamy, like, um, and it, it, uh, but it doesn't stay that way. So this is not like, and I have to be honest, like I did not read too much about this, this, uh, reboot or continuation or whatever this is. Um, I kind of went into this a little bit blind. And so I did not realize that this was going to be so meta. I did not realize that this was like a cross between like a reality show and like a reboot of a, of a television show. I didn't, I knew that they were doing it. I didn't read anything about it either. I just assumed that we were going to get all the old characters back doing their thing. That's what I thought. Like I thought it was, I thought we were going to get the characters of, uh, that they played like Donna and, um, um, Brenda and Brandon and Kelly and, and Andrea, like that, that's what I was expecting. So when the show starts out with it, like they're all at the peach pit and it's all like very dreamy and almost like saved by the bell ish. I was like, 
what is this? And, um, and then it quickly changes to, oh no, that's just, that's the show. And now we're going to be like following the real life actors. Yeah. So I want to know what you thought of it, man. Um, this is so hard for me. No, I would just get into it. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I only say it's hard for me to rate it uh-huh. or, or uh, how I feel about it because I am not like the biggest fan of reality show stuff. So uh, definitely there is an element here of it feels like a reality show where you're watching them get together to like uh, do this reboot. They're, they're going to reboot 90210. Um once I kind of got over that, though, I found it to be quite charming in its own way. Like, kind of the idea of, like, this one show brought these people together and it changed their life forever. It, it threw them into, you know, pop culture fame. And a lot of them struggle with, you know, just being known as that character. Like, there's a scene where, like, um, Jenny Garth is, like, flirting with this guy, and it seems like they're going to hook up, and he calls her Kelly, and she's like, I'm not Kelly. And and she gets really upset, obviously, because that's not who she is. That's a character. And she leaves. Um, I don't know. I I liked it, but uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. So I, I think for me, I am going to give it a high taste it. I liked it enough to keep watching. It could be a Tupperware or it could also go down. Mm. But that's kind of where I am. I, 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 yeah. It's, it's such a weird, it's a little bit of an odd show. And I, I almost feel like there are moments where the actors feel uncomfortable playing themselves. And <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's definitely very meta. But I don't know. What what did you think about it? I'm really excited to hear what you thought about it. I know, because I was very cryptic when I told you that, you know, this is something that I was going to be watching. Well, I'd seen already. And, you know, I knew that you were a 90210 fan, and I knew you were coming on this week. So I was very cryptic, and I, I, I didn't let you know either way how I felt. I never do. I never do. And I try to be cryptic even when I talk about this stuff. I don't even want to come off like I'm not excited or excited for it at all. Um, I fucking loved this. I fucking loved this fucking show. I thought this was incredible because like once it starts once I got over the initial shock that I'm not getting Kelly, I'm not getting Brandon, uh, I'm not getting Steve, Andrea, once I got over that, I was like, this show makes perfect sense because in a way it shows how crazy their real life was compared to the show. The show had its own, like, real, uh, uh, had its own drama and, and, but their real life drama was almost just as interesting it was tabloid worthy um i mean just the stuff with shannon doherty alone is tabloid worthy and they're, they're going to tackle that in this show and thank god they didn't get too much into it in this first episode i'm really oh i can't wait to see shannon doherty with this gang back together again they had feuds with the with spellings and the other actors she had feuds with them and mm-hmm. this is going to be absolutely fantastic to see her back in this series. Um, I love how it mirrors 
things that have gone on in their real life. You've got you know, Brian Austin Green. He's talking in the show about how you know he, they've got him married to this uh, famous uh, singer and all this other stuff. I believe is she? A, yeah, singer. And uh, in real life, he's married to Megan Fox. Right. And so he's doing these conventions, and he's always getting asked questions about his famous wife. And the show is addressing that. You've got Jenny Garth, who in real life is on her third marriage. And by this show, she's, you know, her third marriage is failing. You've got Gabrielle Carteris, who wanted to take more control of her character on the show. And it, from the sounds of it, it sounds like she wanted to make her character a lesbian on the show. And the producers weren't having it. And she's mm-hmm. getting to do that here in this show, uh, possibly, which is pretty fucking incredible. And then it talks about Jason Priestley and kind of like him um, maybe not getting along with people in Hollywood, which is a real thing. There was a moment in 1995 where he went to a party that was hosted by Harvey Weinstein and he punched Harvey Weinstein in the face and it kind of got him. He's never blamed Harvey Weinstein, never blamed this moment, but other people have blamed that moment as the downfall of his career and why he can't get an indie flick made. Jake, we, like two years ago, were talking about an indie flick that Jason Priestley was wanting to direct, and it sounded incredible. I should have looked up what the project was, but on the show, we talked about how, like, Wow, this this sounds like a great project. I hope it gets made. And here he is kind of addressing it in mm-hmm. this show, saying he can't get his indie project off the ground because of, you know, like violent things that happened in the past or whatever. And that really that really happened. He punched Harvey Weinstein in the face at a party. That's awesome. I'm fucking ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. <laughs> way ahead of his time. Uh, I think Harvey, like, grabbed him by the arm and said, you know, come over here and talk to me or whatever. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere with you, and punched him in the face at this party. And, like, you know, like, this is a guy who had come off of the movie Tombstone, you know, which is a huge hit back in the day. And I thought he did a fantastic job in Tombstone, uh, you know, for the limited time that he had on screen. I thought he did a great job. We just haven't seen this guy's career take off uh, the way that we kind of saw, you know, Luke Perry's uh, take off a little bit there. Um, so I am in full Beverly Hills 90210 mode. I absolutely loved this and I can't wait to see more. I know it's going to upset a lot of fans, but I think like this is time for them to kind of like take control of who they are. Um, and, uh, the show even asked the question of like Tori, I think it was Tori Spelling who said like, I wonder what it would, what our lives would be like without 90210. And um, that's what this show's about, what 90210 has done with their lives. And, and uh, I am so in on this. I fucking love it. And when did Tori Spelling turn into Rocky Dennis? Oof. Oof. She, uh, I don't know, man, but uh, she's had a lot of work done. Yeah. Yeah, she's had a lot of work done. I will say, um, I think one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode um, was when they um, when they steal her dress. Yeah, that from was fun. The, the <laughs> I because I I remember. I mean, they, that that was like from the prom episode, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember that giant monstrosity she wore. Uh, and I remember clearly being like a teenager in the 90s and being head over heels with like everything about this show. Like I was huge. Uh, I loved Dylan. Like that was my favorite character. Dylan McKay, um, bad and boy. I loved like all the dresses that the girls would wear, like all the like the jewelry and the makeup and so many hats. So many hats in the nineties. Everybody was wearing them. Oh, Blossom. But, yeah, Blossom like, was when she hands. steals the dress and then she just wears it. <laughs> I just that just slayed me. I thought that was great. Yeah, I adore this show. I think it's great. Uh you know, I hope it's yeah, it should just be like a one and done season. But uh, I like the way it left off. Can't wait for the next episode to see how everything goes. And uh I'm sure there's gonna be more drama and more fun, but I thought it was fantastic i tupperware the fuck out of this one i thought it was great i and i'm glad that they just now that they've done this now that they've turned it into this i'm glad we're just not getting the characters like i don't think that we can do the characters without having dylan mckay so and it was nice to see that they did address him in this episode and then had like a you know a, a, you know they they put up the graphic at the end you know r.i.p luke perry and so, you know, um, I, I, I loved it, Rebecca. Are you surprised? Are you shocked? Are you muted? Are you, are you here? Are you eating a jigglypuff? What the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> Anytime you throw it to Rebecca, it's like a dice roll. <laughs> She's gone. She's got two, two or three in the call. All right, we're going to pause. back uh rebecca yeah before we lost i did ask you uh did my my rating surprise you a little bit i thought um but you know i again as you said you are quite cryptic when you talk about stuff like that but i thought you were leaning towards not liking it yeah um but i'm excited that you loved it as much as you did i thought it was great um i went off uh, Tony Tiger going through puberty there with my. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Anybody watch Glow season three? No, I can't. Not wait yet. To. I'll talk about it. Cool. All right, here Glow season three binged it in one day. All ten episodes. Uh, episodes range from anywhere from like thirty-two minutes up to forty something, and uh, binged the whole thing. Um, the. Uh, st- <laughs> Uh, starts off with, uh, Zoya. You got, uh, Allison Breeze character. Yeah, this is a show that stars Mark Marin. It's about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. This was a real thing, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, women wrestlers. And, um, and, uh, you've got Allison Bree, Betty Gilpin. Uh, you've got Mark Marin. You hear, uh, the, uh, Betty Gilpin's movie. They, uh, they shelved it indefinitely. 
the hunt. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. unfortunate for her. So hopefully that'll find distribution elsewhere and the movie will come out. Uh, but anyway, this starts off with Allison Bree doing her wrestling character of Zoya, who is Russian, and uh, she they're going they are commentating live on the news about the Challenger space shuttle launch, and of <laughs> course she's trashing America. And we all know what happened to the Challenger. Oh, my God. Yeah, the Challenger. <laughs> oh, God. I remember as a child watching this. I actually had a dentist appointment that day. I know a lot of kids were watching that in school. There was actually a school teacher on the flight, and they were flying into outer space, and uh, the Challenger blew up. And uh, everyone involved in that mission had passed away. And so this show, I don't know. That was like, that's crazy. Um, that they did that. I, I'll be honest with you. Ten episode season. Uh, I thought the first season was a Tupperware. The second season was a Tupperware. I even liked the second season more than I liked the first. The first half of the season, I was basically at a taste it with it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I felt like they were, uh, uh, doing a lot of different storylines. Some of them I didn't know how they were gonna fit in to the overall show and I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was like, why are they why are they doing this whole thing with that? How is this you're packing in too much here. This is just too much and and then we're trying to get our bearings in a new environment. They're in Las Vegas now doing the show and I felt like they'd taken and I will say this about the whole season. I felt like they took a lot of wrestling out of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling in this season. But I will tell you, once you get to episode six, and there's the desert episode, everything just gets amazing. And I was hooked, and I could not stop watching. And the rest of the season was just amazing. And it makes me actually want to go back and watch the first five episodes again, knowing what I know now about the rest of the season and how some of those other storylines do fit into the overall picture. I was just very short-sighted when I was first watching it, being very critical. And uh, they introduced, like, this whole new um, different acts and things like that in Vegas. And one of the acts is female impersonators. And I was like, okay... I think that this is something that definitely should be tackled. Why don't we have a show just about female impersonators? Why are you trying to show show this on the gorgeous ladies of wrestling? Why are you taking away from the ladies? I know, but why why don't you just give us a show about female impersonators? And that makes sense. The way that the way that they work it in, they weave it in, is masterful. And I really feel like they were using Gina Davis sparingly in the entire season. I feel like they were just like, I can't believe we got her. Let's not give her too much to do. Give her more to do. It looks like she was having a great time doing this show. And there is some, there's a shocking scene, uh, that Gina Davis does, uh, I believe in episode nine. And I was just like, Oh my God, she is fucking awesome. Like just let her run wild, write more for her. Um, I, but I don't think, I don't know if we're going to see that character more, but I, I sure as fuck hope that we do. I abs, I'm going to give the whole season a Tupperware now. Like I, it was going to be just a taste it, but I'm telling you, 
if you're watching it and you're you're thinking the same along the same lines as me, and you might not be, you might be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? The first five episodes are incredible. You're a fucking moron." And that's fine, but for me, I was just like, "Yeah, it's it's just this just doesn't feel like." The first two seasons where we're really getting to know these ladies, we're getting to see their struggles here, and 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 I, it just man from episode six through ten, it just ramps everything up, and it's absolutely fantastic. Tupperware the fuck out of Glow season three. Can't wait for season four. Things are going to change in season four, and I think it's going to start really heating up and uh, continue to be a great show going forward in season four. Loved Mark Marin in this season. Loved Betty Gilpin, Allison Bree, the big three. They were all great. So, yeah, Tupperware, Glow Season 3. Do you think Glow is in zero danger of Netflix canceling it? Is it a very popular show? I like, think it's just so hard to get bearings on that kind of thing. Yeah, it's crazy because the OA, if you do go, there's a website that I do follow uh, where it uh, tracks the popularity of uh, different shows. I go to goodviews.tv and uh, their page about uh, the most watched shows on – the most popular TV shows on Netflix today had the OA – at number 11 just yesterday. Today is, it's, it's at 13. So, and these are all originals. These are all Netflix originals. Like number one right now is Stranger Things season three. Glow is sitting at number three. So it's sitting pretty at number three. I, I, I don't think it's in danger. Okay. That's good. I, I would, I would hate to hear that. I mean, I, it sounds like this definitely leaves it open for more story by the end of it. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. I felt like this season is like where a lot of the story was going to start, and now it's going to get into even more things that happen uh, for the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Um, like, of course, like a lot of this is, of course, it's fabricated, but like it does pull from like the things that happen to the real women in their career and introduce those elements of what they went through. Uh, as far as like the actual event, the actual kind of like entertainment, the, the road that the entertainment took. So I find that fascinating. So yeah, watch it. Glow season three. Uh, Rebecca, what do you got for good pop, bad pop? So, um, I could talk about the free screening that I got to go to the other day. Yes, please. So I got free tickets to an early screening of good boys. Uh, which is a movie I have been highly anticipating. Uh, I know you have Brian, yeah. uh, Jake, I don't know if this is on your radar too, but it, it probably is. Yeah. Oh yeah. The trailers are fantastic for this. This looks great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, good boys. Uh, this is the movie about three sixth grade boys. They ditch school and they go on an epic journey while carrying accidentally stolen drugs. And they're being hunted by hunted, quote unquote, by teenage girls and trying to make their way home in time for a long awaited party. Um, so the three boys are played by Jacob Tremblay, who, of course, uh, was in Room with Brie Larson. Uh, you've got Lucas, who's played by Keith L. Williams. Um, I'm not really sure. Oh, he's he's been in, like, some TV stuff. Th- this kid was hilarious. Um, he was, like, he was just so funny. Um, and then you've got uh, the third kid played by Brady Noon. Uh, this is the movie that is uh, – uh, what's his name? Um, 
Seth Rogen is, is behind this movie. Um, I will not give any spoilers, I promise, because this movie will come out next weekend. I will say that this movie, in so many ways, is a lot like Booksmart. Um, and in so many ways, it's not. In, in you definitely see elements of super bad in this movie. It's from the producers and, of Super Bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh absolutely you do see a lot of super bad or you get a lot of super bad feels from, from this movie. The idea that these three sixth grade boys they are have the chance to go to a kissing party at their school, right? And so, of course, like, you know, one of the boys particularly, he has a crush on this girl and she's going to be there and he's dying to go to this kissing party. And Hey, they, hey but, Jake, real quick. You know who's not going to that kissing party? Pumpkin Nuts 06, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't he be able to go to the kissing party? I don't know. He's a boring kisser. He doesn't use the tongue. No, I bet he's a super suave kisser. I don't know. I don't want to talk about how good of a kisser a 12-year-old is. I want to change the subject. <laughs> you walked right into that one, Jake. I did. I was like, what the fuck am I talking about? Here comes, here comes Chris Hansen telling you to take a seat. Yeah. yeah, hold on. I'll be right back with your sweet tea. And then Chris Hansen's sitting you down for a chat. Oh my god! Yeah, Jake, you literally just said. I'm sure he's a good kisser or whatever. <laughs> Go ahead, Rebecca. Good boys. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, these three boys, in the effort to learn how to kiss girls, decide to use a drone that one of the boys' father has for his job. They are spying on their teenage girls who live next door kind of a thing the girls catch them they uh keep the drone this is all stuff in the trailers i'm not giving anything away um they are going to keep the drone the drone ends up getting broken the boys then embark on this epic journey to replace the drone before dad gets home and still make it to the kissing party that night so when the movie starts out, it definitely has that feel of like, oh, I've seen all this before. It, you know, you, you think you're going to get some really tropey, run of the mill comedy. And to hear these boys cursing up a storm, and in the trailers too, you see scenes of the boys finding like their parents' sex toys and stuff, and they have no clue what this stuff is. And it just keeps, they just keep bringing it back up and what they do to try to get enough money to buy this drone and they have to definitely have drugs that they took from, that they uh, stole from the teenage girls. I mean, this is like hijinks ensue. I have to say, 95% of the jokes landed for me. Uh, the humor was so spot on, especially when you're watching kids doing stuff and you're like, no, don't, oh my God, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And my whole audience was really into it. Like, you know, they, stuff would happen. They'd be like, oh no. And they'd be like, really, you know, <laughs> along with the movie, which is great. Um, I, for me, this movie is 100% a Tupperware. I really highly recommend this movie. This movie delivers. Like, the, the trailers, as funny as they are, 
there's a lot of great jokes in those trailers, in my opinion. Um, they do not use the best jokes in the trailer and then just, you know, whatever jokes in the movie, which sometimes happens. Mm. I felt like there was plenty of great jokes in the movie. And what they all go through, these boys are so, in some ways, they're so mature for their age. And then in other ways, they're so innocent and naive. And so, like, to watch these naive little boys, like, uh, trying to search, like, they, they do a search looking for... Um, on for porn because they want to learn how to kiss. <laughs> and they, I mean, it's just it's, it's hilarious. This movie is very funny, and for me, the character Lucas, uh, who's the uh, young African American uh, actor in this, he stole this movie for me. This kid is so genuine, so honest. The character that he plays, and and he's just so lovable. Um, but all the he's boys from, are great. He's from uh, the Last Man on Earth. The uh, oh. Will, the Will Forte show. Yeah. I okay. I don't really watch that show, so I didn't even know he was in that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and he didn't like his character on that show did not have a lot of speaking lines, and so I was really shocked to see like all the what looks like a lot of dialogue that he's going to get in this movie. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of dialogue in this movie. I mean, all the boys. I don't know. And and one of the things about this movie, this is a, a wild, crazy thing I'm about to say about this movie. This movie has done more to teach young boys about asking for consent than any other movie I think I've seen this year. I cannot believe I'm saying that. But this movie consistently brings up, and not consistently because it makes it sound like it's preachy, but it brings up the idea of consent in such a natural, organic way. Um, like, so there's a scene where they're going to practice kissing uh, what they think is a CPR dummy, and I'll just leave it at that. And one of the boys, like, goes in for a kiss, and the other boys stop him and say, you just can't kiss somebody without their consent? Didn't you pay attention in the school assembly that we had? And then, like, <laughs> they make the, like, it, so then the boy is like, oh, my God, you're right. Oh, and he, he uses the name of the girl he's got a crush on. He's like, can I, can I please kiss you? And, and, like, two more times they bring up the idea of consent. And it's done very naturally, very organically. It's not shoved down your throat in any way. But such a simple little thing that, young boys can grasp about asking for consent it, it really made them it really struck like i was shocked i was so pleasantly surprised at that um i highly recommend this movie i think it is it's up there for me like book smart and late night are like my top two funny movies i've seen this year and this one is number three like i i would be hard pressed to pick between them wow. they are it's really Really good. Highly recommend it. Definitely see it in the theater. And, and I think see it like with a, if you, hopefully a good crowd. People are really into it. Yeah, this one comes out, I believe, August 16th. And I'm going to be there day number one. Can't wait to see it. I'm glad you got to see it. Um, yeah, I, I like what you're saying about it not being preachy. I like it when stuff is just, it just comes off as sincere. Mm-hmm. And, you know? and you know what? That's, that's the right word for this. It's very sincere when the boys are 
talking about consent and when they're asking for consent, it is so sincere. It's like, hey, we learned this in school. You can't just do that. You have to ask first. It's like a simple thing of like, hey, you have to wash your hands before you eat lunch. Like, it's it's just like that. Because you're going to have audiences that go into certain movies and they're going to walk away and be like, that movie was trying to push that agenda on me. And they'll get angry about it. I think that audiences are smart sometimes when it comes to that stuff. But when something just comes off as sincere, it just, I think it can impact people. That's when you start making changes and people really start to, um, maybe change the way that they think about certain things. When you, when, mm-hmm. when a movie does that and it's crazy that you're basically saying that that happens in an R-rated movie with tweens going around you know, causing shenanigans. And so that's very fucking cool. I can't wait to see this oh, movie. Yeah. I, I was so blown away. Like I saw it uh, with my best friend and we both of us walked out of there saying, I can't believe that that movie has done more to teach boys about consent than anything else we've seen this year. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. I cannot wait to see it. Ah, oh, cannot wait to see that one. movie. The one, uh, the other kid, not Jacob Tremblay, not Keith L. Williams. The other kid just reminds me of like a foul mouthed, uh, Corey Feldman when he was a kid. He just reminds me of the Corey Feldman of the group. You know, he kind of is. Um, his name in the show, in the movie is Thor. Like, that's his name. Thor? Which is, uh, Thor, yeah, as in, like, the God of Thunder. His yeah, name is Thor. Okay. yeah a, that one. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's great. All the boys are great. Like, I, I, I mean... Jacob Tremblay, he's been in a lot of stuff already. Yeah. And this other kid, you know, Keith, I didn't really see how much stuff he had been in. But but this kid, Brady Noon, like, he, um, oh, man, I can't wait for you guys to watch this movie because there's so many funny moments. There's this whole thing about how many sips of beer can these boys take. And, like, the record <laughs> is, I think, four. <laughs> and, and, like, so one of the boys decides to try to go for the record and they're like, whoa. No one could break that record. It's never been done. Like it is, it's so genuine. Like it's an R-rated comedy with plenty of sex jokes that are happening around these boys, and they have no clue what's really happening. And and I think that's what makes it so genuine is that these are just like they really are good boys. Like they are just good <laughs> kids who get wrapped up in a crazy thing. And, Oh man, I can't wait for you guys to watch this movie. I hope you love it as much as I do. But I just fucking loved it. I hope they're exciting and not boring enough for you, Jake. Yeah. They, I mean, they look pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to see good boys. I uh, saw Rebecca. I'm sure you have more to talk about. I'll get back to you. I saw uh, Brian Banks. Have you guys seen the trailer for this one? No. Yeah, uh, I have. The inspirational true story of Brian Banks, uh, an All-American high school football star committed to USC who finds his life upended when he is wrongly convicted of a crime he didn't commit. Despite lack of evidence, Banks is railroaded through a broken justice system and sentenced to a decade of prison and probation. Uh, years later, with the support of Justin Brooks and the California Innocence Project, Banks fights to reclaim his life and fulfill his dreams of playing in the NFL. It's directed by uh, Tom, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Tom Shadiak? Knickknack, Paddywhack, Tom Shadiak, get the dog a bone? I, 
Shadiang. That's a that's a long name. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. Uh, he uh, he directed. Uh, this is crazy because he does this movie, but he directed Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. He did. Yeah, uh, The Nutty Professor, Patch Adams, Liar Liar, Bruce Almighty. So this guy's directed a lot of movies. This one stars Aldous Hodge. He plays Brian Banks. Uh, he played uh, Voodoo on uh, Friday Night Lights, the series. Uh, he was most recently in What Men Want. And he's also starring in the uh, series, I believe it's called City on a Hill with Kevin Bacon. Um, Greg Kinnear plays his uh, attorney, Justin Brooks. Uh, it's got Sherry Shepard, uh, Melanie Libbard. Um, I, uh, this movie was very uh, moving and uh, just an incredible story. It was, uh, the movie mentions that uh he, he okay so basically he's 16 years old and um he's convicted of a sex crime that he did not commit and it was basically from a a girl that felt rejected by him in the moment and she basically you know said that uh you know he he had raped her and um so, you know, he goes to, he gets arrested, goes to court and, and is given some really shitty legal advice from his, uh, lawyer and, um, please no contest and ends up getting six years in prison and, uh, losing his chance of ever going to the NFL. And from there, it's once he's out of prison, you know, he's a sex offender. He's He's got an ankle bracelet on. He can't hold down a job. It's hard to meet women. And so it's basically about his struggle to find evidence that he didn't do it. There was no DNA evidence that there was a sexual crime ever committed, but since it was no contest and the DNA was never presented in the actual, and since it never went to, excuse me, since it never went to trial and the DNA was, uh, the, the no DNA was never presented, they could, they couldn't use that. They needed something new if they were to ever reopen this. And, um, of course, like, you know, of course, like he, it's not like they're going to make a movie about a guy. They they end up finding them guilty, you know. Like, of course, but this, it's it's an amazing journey. He's got an amazing mother. That's like a she's a she's a really good woman. That's a really great support system. It does take you through his time a little bit of his time while he's in prison as a sixteen year old. Uh, talks about his time in solitary confinement. Uh, it also talks about a man that changed his life while he was in his first year at juvie before he actually went to a, to a real prison. This was, uh, and he was tried as an adult as a 16 year old. This is an incredible film. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't really get the waterworks. I'm not like crying in the theater or nothing, but it was, it was very touching. Um, and it's, it's one of these movies where you're like, oh, okay, he's going to get the, the white lawyer here to save him. It's no, it's not that at all. He had to do all the legwork here. Now, these people, they believed him and they fought for him. But Brian Banks is the hero of this fucking story. And uh, this is just an absolutely amazing movie. I, I think everybody should watch this one. Um, it's called Brian Banks. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Stick around. 
at the end of the movie, they'll show you some real pictures of the real Brian Banks. And um, it's really cool to see Brian Banks at 27 years old playing for the Atlanta Falcons. So highly, highly recommend Brian Banks. Get out to the theater and watch this one. If you love sports movies, if you like movies with, with a good uplifting message and um, and justice, this is this is definitely a great movie to to watch. So yeah, definitely watch. Uh, yeah, definitely watch. Yeah, Brian Banks. It's not like it's not like fucking uh, Rain Man there for a second. What the fuck was going on with that shit? I, I went all I went full Dustin Hoffman. You did go full Dustin Hoffman a bit there, mm-hmm. so it happens. Happens to the best of us. Happens to the best of us. Jake, what do you have? Oh man, I want to talk about this game that I've been playing all week. Um, it is called Fire Emblem Three Houses. Have you guys heard of this at all? I've seen a bunch of articles for it, but I don't care enough to look into it. But you'll tell me about it. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, this kind of came in under the radar. Um, I've never really played any of the Fire Emblem games. Um, it's a pretty long-running series. I guess it's um, been out since maybe 1998. It's been primarily on the portable consoles, like your Game Boys and Game Boy Advances and whatnot. I believe this is only the second like home console game they've ever had. Um, just right off the bat, it's not necessary to play any of the previous games to play this one. Um, none of the previous history is referenced. You can jump right into this, and all the story you need is provided right here. But yeah, this game, I'm just going to tell you, it is a, it's a Tupperware, man. This is like um, an anime almost come to life with just the way it's presented. I've never seen anything quite like it. Like in On one aspect, it's a, a tactical turn-based like board game where you simulate these wars. So when you're actually doing the levels, it's just turn-based kind of grid map war board game stuff you're doing. And then all the battles are displayed with just, you know, really neat kind of stunning attack graphics. But then in between all of the different battles, you're actually in like a fully 3D realized video game world where you're the professor at a monastery. And there's like three different, classes that are now at peace that used to be at war and you actually choose one of them and depending on which one of these you choose it completely changes the game and the plot and what happens and it's just amazing and like story-wise it's almost like kind of a cross between harry potter with all the school stuff going on and then kind of game of thrones with all the intrigue about all these houses you know, possibly fracturing later on and who's going to kind of be control of Folden, which is the land they reside on. Um, and the houses, they have a very, um, oh, what was that Nickelodeon show? Um, Legends of the Hidden Temple sound to them. It's the uh, golden deer and the blue lion and the black eagles, which it comes off kind of silly, but man, it's the houses are so unique and kind of their goals are so different from each other. Each house, when you pick one, not only do you pick the house, but you become the teacher of seven students from that house. And before you even select, you can go around and meet all the different students and kind of learn about everyone's personality and kind of develop a liking for, you know, which students you want to teach and which ones you think will be the most fun to level up and teach new skills. And just all the different stuff that they have you doing in between what is, you know, normally a very basic turn-based war strategy game really brings this game to a whole nother level. I mean, kind of presentation is everything, and it's just astounding here. 
and plus like i've always just been such a big fan of like turn-based strategy games especially when they add a little bit of rpg flair to it that yeah this just kind of came out of nowhere and it seems like a lot of people are really enthralled by this game it's very popular i see it trending on twitter all the different all the time and there's just so many different unique characters and so much fun stuff to discover here and it's about a 70 hour game too and that's just playing through one house so it's 70 hours per house there's three different houses i mean i'm surprised nintendo even released this like this like if this was a pokemon game you would have to pay $60 three different times here. So because I think this is not as popular as a franchise, they kind of pack in a bit more game for the buck here. So that may not be the case next time if, you know, as popular as this has gotten and an obvious sequel will be, will be coming later. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if you guys would care for this very much, um, but it's definitely something we're checking out on YouTube just to kind of see the presentation. I mean, just its look. It's like a self-shaded slash anime look and it's just a really unique style and flair to it i one of the best switch games to come out in the system's history in my opinion fantastic uh what's it called a uh, fire emblem three houses not the best name yeah well uh how much was it uh it's a 60 dollar game so yeah yeah i mean it's it's a full price game you definitely get your money's worth i mean that's pretty much the going rate for any switch game right now is 60 dollars yeah nintendo is very stingy when it comes to sales uh, Even black friday i didn't know if this was like one of those downloadable games where they just give it to you for like 20 bucks or some shit oh yeah this is a fully fledged production and you can definitely tell when you start playing it it's it's pretty crazy every single character is voice acted too so there's no just text. It's, you know, all these different actors, and that's really well done, and it's just amazing. There was actually some kind of um, scandal involving one of the voice actors that was discovered, like, 24 hours after the game was released. And in today's day and age, they were able to delete all the voice actors' work and have a new voice actor come in, do all the dialogue, and provide that as, like, a hot fix. Did they get the Christopher game. Plummer? They did not get Christopher Plummer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I, I just kind of, I just bring that up because I just kind of marvel at how yeah. in today's day and age when it comes to that kind of thing. Like, so for only the first 24 hours of release, you heard this original actor and then it was replaced by someone else. So. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, no, I, it, it, if I had more time to play games, I, sounds like something I would probably get into. It sounds like it's got a lot going for I love, I still enjoy RPGs and it, you know, so. Yeah, you get lost in just all the side quest of it all, right? You know, yeah. you, teaching the students different weapon skills, going on just, like, hunting missions. You can fish. It's got all, like, kind of the staples that you yeah. would expect from, like, this kind of genre. It's just, like, with the RPGs, dude, I just get so consumed with ones that I really get into. I remember the first time I played EverQuest. Mm. Like, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, the first time you play EverQuest, it was like that... <sighs> Because that first time you play EverQuest can last days <laughs> because you just do not want to stop playing it. Um, and I I would get obsessed. I was a dark elf on that fucking game. And I would like, you know, there'd be days where it's like, okay, let's call into work. I was in my 20s. I'm like, okay, we're calling into work today. I'm hanging out with this guy. We're going to fucking go on a mission. 
Oh god, I purposely like avoided that game. I know I would love it, or I knew I would love it when yeah. it came out, and I was like, no, I'm just not even going to allow myself to see this fucking shit. Like I'm already distracted by too many things as it is. What killed me was Final Fantasy Online, because like I got that for the Xbox 360, and it just wasn't great. And so I was like, you know, I, I'm done with these MMOs. I'm done with them. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I was going to get um, Ultimate Alliance 3 this week. I hadn't had a chance to play that yet. But I just kind of, you know, I unless I'm playing that with a group of people, I just don't see any immediate rush to have to have that. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm going to try this out because it's mostly a primarily a single-player game. I kind of just wanted something to kind of keep me occupied and bide my time for a little while while i'm fidgety and trying not to do this no smoking thing and honestly it's been a huge success for that kind of thing too i am next game i'm gonna rent which i don't rent many games trust me people but it's gonna be that new mortal Kombat. so yeah i've heard lots of good things about that um i think it's really neat that they have like the normally i detest all the dlc but with the fighting games if the the price is right and it comes with more than one character i kind of think that's neat yeah let's uh let's jump into something here where we can all get involved let's talk about did you guys all watch the carnival row full-length trailer that amazon dropped this week yes rebecca mutie muterson (laughs) mutie she's on the mute she still hasn't unmuted still sitting there (laughs) rebecca's the one deciding the breaks this episode yeah Oh, I can, I can hear some clickety-clacking over there. Trying to get back in. Trying to get back in, Brian. Mm, I thought that might have been me adjusting. Oh, that might have been you. Yeah, she's still uh, non-responsive. She's <laughs> <laughs> totally on mute, Rebecca. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Let's pause. Yeah. All right, yeah, we are back. Uh, look, Rebecca's having internet issues uh, there, um, so... She may or may not be joining us for the rest of the episode. So, Jake, we're uh, just the two of us. We're just going to be rocking this. Yeah, I promise most times when you throw to me, I won't just say nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a coin flip every time you said her name. Yeah, it was, so. it was like a, she's good for about 30 minutes and then her internet would fuck up. I wonder, yeah. I, it felt like it was those times where she wasn't saying anything, you know? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. So, and it felt like when it was working, her connection sounded just fine. Yeah, it sounded so. fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, Carnival Row, full-length trailer came out on Amazon. This is Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne. Uh, of course, Orlando Bloom from Lord of the Rings playing Legolas. And then Cara Delevingne, she was in uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, who did she play? Enchantress. Uh, they star in Carnival Row, a Victorian fantasy world filled with mythological immigrant creatures whose rich homelands were invaded by the empires of man. This growing immigrant population struggles to coexist with humans in the grimiest section of the f- city, uh, forbidden to live, love, or fly with freedom. But even in darkness, hope lives as a human detective, Rycroft Philostrate, played by Orlando Bloom, and a refugee fairy named Vignette Stonemoss, played by Kara Delevingne, rekindle a dangerous affair despite an increasingly intolerant society. Vignette harbors a secret 
that endangers Philo's standing during his most important case yet, a string of gruesome murders threatening the uneasy peace of the row. As Philo investigates, he reveals a monster no one could imagine. Uh, it's considered a neo-Victorian noir fantasy series. It's created by Rene uh, Echevarria, um, done work on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Dark Angel, and Castle. Um, he created the 4400 for USA Network and was a showrunner, uh, was the showrunner for uh, Fox's Terra Nova. And then Travis Beecham is involved in this as well. He's the writer for Pacific Rim, that first movie with uh, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, Jake, what did you think about the Carnival Row trailer? Yeah, I was a little bit taken aback by this. I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Um, I just kind of, I don't know. And it was one of those things where I didn't know what to think while I was watching it. It's like, I, for one, I just clicked it and watched it and didn't really have kind of any, like, preamble to what I was going to see. And then I was just kind of blown away that it was these, like, fairies like you see on, you know, all the classic, like, fairy posters that you see everywhere. Just exactly what you would think they would look like in this world. Kind of mixed with this, like, grimy detective world. Yeah. And I... I coming away from it i've almost been more and more inspired by it after having seen it than while i was watching it just like the idea of mixing these two extreme kind of genres together i don't know if you're going to think this is weird but it almost has a slight roger rabbit vibe to me i was thinking more of bright that was on netflix the will smith show where he's a detective but the world has like fairies in it and trolls and all these mythological creatures yeah and it's just the idea of taking something really bright and shiny and that you think of as like happy fantastical and then adding this you know sleaze to it and this crime and you know all this bad like it it's a fascinating approach and it's not you know a, the most original one but i think it, it when it's done and when it's done well it can be really cool i'm gonna give this trailer a high taste it though i I thought it looked really good. I, I've definitely watched this movie. Uh, it's an eight-episode oh. series on Amazon. Oh, I thought it was an original movie. My apologies. No, no worries, man. It's directed by John Emile, uh, eight-episode series on Amazon. And uh, here's the crazy thing before I talk about it. It's already been renewed for season two, so it looks like they have faith in this series. Uh they announced hmm. the season two in July. They've been working on this for quite a long time. Production actually wrapped on this in March of last year. So they've been, I don't know what's going on in post here. I don't know why they've been holding on it for so long, uh, holding on to it for so long. But, I mean, they wrapped this season uh, filming uh, principal photography in March of last year. I... This one's going to premiere, just so you know, August 30th, 2019. I am really excited for this one. I'm also going to give it a high taste it, uh, because this, as far as the trailer goes, I thought it did a really good job. I thought it looked great. I, I love the way everything looked for, for like a, for an Amazon series. I think we're starting to get into like what Amazon's going to start doing and like throwing money at. We'll talk about Lord of the Rings a little bit later, but they're throwing some money at this one, man. These are a couple big actors here. I know Orlando Bloom's like, you know, his, 
His star isn't as uh, you know bright as it used to be, <laughs> but still, it is Orlando Bloom. It's kind of a big pickup for them. And this whole detective story with these, with the with the fairy influence here, and then like you know with uh, how they're being treated here in uh, in the real world, and uh, they're kind of like um, these immigrants that now. <sighs> have nowhere to live like they, they've come from a place where like they come from a, a beautiful place where they all lived had a place to stay and had their own lives and now they're like living in the the, the alleys and things like that and um they're forbidden to fly they're you know it it's very it kind of it sounds very ya as far as like, it kind of you know what i mean but I, I think agreed. They, agreed. I think they'll get into a lot of adult themes with this one. I was I was impressed by this trailer, though. I'm actually looking forward to this series even more now. I knew it was coming out. I knew that. I think that there might have been even a teaser trailer at one time. I knew it was coming out. I was aware of the show. And then when I saw this trailer, I was pleasantly surprised. I think it looks pretty damn good. And uh, looking forward to this one. Definitely, I'll be reviewing the first episode. Uh, when it does drop on uh, Amazon, giving this one a shot. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with you on the production side of things. I mean, yeah. I this you could have told me this was a theatrical movie trailer, and I'd buy that. You thought it was? Yeah. Well, yeah. not not well, theater I mean, release. I knew it was an Amazon. I thought it was an Amazon original movie. Sure, but a lot of Amazon stuff gets released into theaters first before it's actually. That's a cool thing about when you when you go to a movie. And you see Amazon Studios, like recently I went and saw, um, fuck, Rebecca was just talking about it, the Mindy Kaling comedy. Late night. It, Late night. It, it's Amazon Studios. You know, as soon as like it's available to stream, four months later, three months later, it's gonna show up on Amazon Prime. Which is really cool. Same thing happened with The Big Sick. Like, as soon as it was available to stream, they throw it up on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, eight episode series. Already been greenlit for season two. Looking forward to Carnival Row. This is, uh, I was actually, I was actually really excited to watch this trailer last week when it came out. So, Jake, I went and saw, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. This is the new Guillermo de Toro produced, uh, show, movie, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, um, seen the trailer for this quite a few times now. I'm actually very curious what you thought of this. Uh, it's 1968 in America. Change is blowing in the wind, but seemingly far removed from the unrest in the cities is the small town of Mill Valley, where for generations the shadow of the Bellows family has loomed large. It is in their mansion on the edge of town of uh, that Sarah, a young girl with horrible secrets, turned her tortured life into a series of scary stories written in a book that has transcended time stories that have a way of becoming all too real for a group of teenagers who discover Sarah's terrifying tome. Uh, this is based on the children's book series of the same name by Alvin Schwartz. It's directed by Andre Avradal, best known for Troll Hunter, which is... Uh, that kind of blew up. It was a, a low-budget movie that really took off, and um, oh, I've never, I've never seen Troll Hunter. I'm ashamed. I, it's one of those things that you'd think that I would have watched, and because I've heard so many people talk about Troll Hunter, 
Um, but I never did watch. And then he also, after that, got his first kind of like big Hollywood movie, which was the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, the screen story was by, uh, Guillermo del Toro and then, uh, Dan and Kevin Hagman. Um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, watched this trailer a few months ago. Actually, it was an episode that we had Paul on for. We talked about it, and Paul Hart, and uh, we were all impressed by the trailer. The trailer looked really fucking good. Um, mm-hmm. It looked scary as shit, and I did not know that this was a PG thirteen film by looking at that yeah. trailer. I didn't know it was a kids franchise until you just said this. Yeah, yeah, this is a children's book series. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I was fucking, I I don't know, man. Like, I'll tell you one thing. I I went and I saw it with a crowd um, on opening night. uh, And I thought it was good. I I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give this one a high taste. It, I... I I liked it. It, You know, it's it, it takes me... I think, honestly, if I was a child watching this, I'd even rate it higher. You know, if I was Pumpkin Nuts 06 and I'm 12 years old and I'm watching this, I'm, I'm rating this even higher. I think it's, it's, it's even better. It kind of takes me back to like, uh, you know, watching Tales, uh, from the dark side as a kid, watching monsters, watching creep show, creep show. Uh, it takes me back to like watching that when I was a child and all the child, that makes sense. all the child actors were very, very, very good and very funny. Um, I, there's a, there's this element where w- they go into this house, they find this, this girl's book and she's got all these different stories in the book. And there's a way to even activate one of the stories. Like you can rub your thumb across like the title of the story and then that story just will start up in real life and then you're reading the story and in real life it's actually happening. There's a, a bully in the story that's affected by one of these and you kind of see that all get played out throughout the series, uh, throughout the show, uh, movie. God, I'm fucked up. Throughout the movie. Um, all the creations that they come up, they, they, there's a creation called the Jangly Man that looks incredible. Um, there's a scene in the Red Room where the monster that one of the characters faces in the Red Room just looks creepy as shit. Uh, this is, this is really good teen horror. Like, this is like really, they're not, pulling any punches here. This is, this is really good teen horror. Like, teens, there are tons of teens in my viewing audience because it's PG-13 and they wanted to see horror. And, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have that R rating so they don't have to be accompanied by an adult or anything. And uh, it really worked yeah. well. Like, the kids were really funny. Uh, two of the kind of like nerdy kids that are in it, one of them looks just like Jimmy Fallon and the other one looks just like Jason Sudeikis. It's unreal. <laughs> Uh, how oh, much, that's crazy. How much they look like them. I, I, I really thought that this was, uh, this was well done and I think a lot of it felt very del Toro. Yeah, that's really cool. I like what you're saying about kind of the context of thinking about it, like watching those other movies that you listed when you were a kid, like, right? Cause I mean, let's be serious. Like if you watched any of those movies that you listed 
for the first time at your age now, yeah, yeah. the chances of you Tupperwareing into those movies are probably you know few and far between. Right. Like even like you're absolutely right. Like even even going back and watching like old HBO tales from the crypt, I don't know if I'd get the same kind of like enjoyment. That yeah, I did especially when I was that you're so desensitized with. 20 plus years of more of that genre just going further and further out there mm-hmm. that would especially the the horror genre yeah like when you when you kind of go back in time it's it's really hard to take that stuff seriously it really is yeah this is this is really good i i would uh i would highly recommend seeing this one i i don't know if you if if you have a young child or something like that that's at of the age where they would enjoy this kind of stuff then Definitely let them see it. I mean, I think they'll get a kick out of it. The kids are relatable and fun. Uh, it takes place in the in the sixties, and uh, everything looks really great. They go to a drive-in movie theater. Kids are watching, you know, uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, and and uh, you got the classic bully in this story as well. Um, which leads me ne- to my next uh, thing that I watched. I watched uh, School Spirit on Hulu. It, on the first Saturday after school starts, a group of social outcasts are struck in a weekend detention. While serving detention, they are confronted by the school's legendary hauntings. This is part of the Into the Dark Horror Anthology series. This started in October on Hulu, and it's 12 feature-length episodes. So each one is like a movie, like an hour wow. and a half. And uh, How many of these have there been? Well, they're on number 11, and so oh, there's so it's almost over. Almost over. I knew that this was going on, and I knew that these were kind of like for a younger audience. But when I saw this trailer, or when I saw this pop up on Hulu, I didn't realize it was part of the Into the Dark series. And so I, I just, uh, I had made up my mind that I'm going to watch it. Well, go ahead. What are you going to say? I, I'm just going to say you you were intrigued by it without even knowing the connection. I got you. Yeah. It, it, uh, this one in particular because it's called School Spirit. Like you look at the poster for it and they got each individual posters. It's got like the school uh, name of the – it's got sc- School Spirit. It looks like it's a T-shirt that the kids would wear to like, you know, one of the, you know, uh, basketball pep games. Rally. or a Pep rally. Yeah. But it's got like a big slash of blood across it. And their mascot is the Admiral. And this is the, the Admiral's what's haunting the school and going around supposedly killing kids. It's a tall tale that they tell. And, uh, so I was like, alright, check this out. It's got, uh, it, it's got one kid in it that I remember from, uh, yeah, Corey Fogelmanis. He was in, uh, Girl Meets World and he was also most recently in Ma, that movie that came out with Octavia, Octavia Spencer. But, um, the series, it's produced by Blumhouse Productions. Uh, he, ex- uh, Jason Blum executive produces every episode. So I was like, I'll give this a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll see what this is all about. And, uh, you've got, uh, it's a very breakfast club kind of vibe. And what's cool about this show is like these kids curse. These kids are drinking. They're fucking, they're, they're, they're fucking, uh, doing the, what is it? The, the marijuana vape or whatever the fuck people are doing. And, uh, it's very adult in that way, but then it's also kind of just very tween kind of horror, but there's blood and there's, uh, I'm just saying as far as like tween horror, I mean like the issues and the things that are going on in, 
in the stories. It's not it's not like you're watching an Eli Roth fucking you know torture porn yeah. bullshit. It's it, it very much feels like kind of like a young whore kind of stuff going on here. I'll give this one a taste. It, it, it was fine enough. It starts off very breakfast clubby with the kids in detention and you've got the, the, the guy in detention who's like their teacher and uh, it's it's very breakfast clubby at the beginning. You got the one kid who's the Jonathan Bender from Breakfast Club being all, the badass and you've got the one girl who's like the Claire who in this story, she's like the valedictorian. She's the smartest school in school. She's going to Harvard, but why is she in detention? What did she do? So uh, there's twists and turns. It's fun enough. This is one of those things that I actually, over the this weekend, I uh, saw my niece and nephew, and I told them that they need to watch this Into the Dark series. They, my niece and nephew love horror. Like, they really got into... Like the new Halloween movie with uh, Michael Myers that came out last year, they love that. They're really getting into horror. I think I, what's cool is like I I remember when my niece was like seven or eight. I uh, we watched uh, Monster Squad on Netflix when it was on Netflix. Uh, I remember you talking about that on PCL. Yeah, she fucking loved it. She fucking loved Monster Squad, and I don't know if like uh, I kind of sparked her love for for horror films, but they've just really both of them have just really run with horror films. And started to love it. And, uh, so I told them to, to watch this. So I'll give it a taste it, man. This is another thing where like I'm an adult now. I'm bitter and I'm jaded and like this stuff doesn't shock me anymore. But like another, exactly. th- this is another alternative to like that movie that Jake, I remember, dude, I was fucking, I remember, uh, staying up really late, you know, having sleepovers with friends and we'd stay up really late. We'd watch Tales from the Dark Side. We'd watch, you know, fucking Monsters was another program that we'd watch. We'd watch all the horror movies that they had on USA Up all night. You know, I I remember recording Dracula's Dog, and it was a terrible fucking movie. But like, these are these are horror movies that I remember just watching with friends and stuff like that. So this is a. Uh, uh, this is okay, man. I, it's cool to kind of see like Jason Blum doing this and trying to get the kids when they're young too, like to get into horror because it is a cool genre when it's done right. Yeah, I really can't think of much in the last ten years that's like horror, but not just R-rated horror. So yeah, it is really cool that, yeah. and that is something that we used to have a lot more of, like back in the eighties, back in the nineties. It feels like that, the oddies that disappeared. Poltergeist, man. We grew up on Poltergeist. Yeah, and I don't know about you. I was still into the Poltergeist series. I still loved Poltergeist three when I was a kid. I fucking thought that movie was great. Yeah, I love the house movies. I think they're like in that genre a bit too. Uh, The Gate. Yeah, well, I think The Gate is actually. Is it R? I think it might be PG thirteen. I don't know if it's R or not. Oh, man, that kid takes that Barbie doll leg to the eye socket. Yeah, but look at, dude, Bad News Bears, I talked about that on The Real Zodiac. Like, those kids are drinking and smoking and cursing up a storm, (laughs) and it's rated PG, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. It had to be, back then there was no PG-13, though, even. Yeah, PG-13 didn't come out until, what was it, the Indiana Jones films? Post-Temple of Doom. Post-Temple of Doom. Right after. Yeah. I can't remember the first movie that got that first label. 
No, yeah, it was it was Spielberg's idea, and it was for Temple of Doom. They yeah. still didn't do it, but then it was like right afterwards they were like, oh, yeah. and it was because of the backlash from Temple of Doom being peachy. This next thing that I want to talk about here in Good Pop, Bad Pop is, uh, God damn it, I can't believe that we don't have Rebecca on. She saw this one. I'm dying to know her thoughts on this one. I went and saw The Kitchen. This is based on the Vertigo comic book series from DC Entertainment. The film stars Oscar nominee Melissa McCarthy, uh, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss as three 1978 Hell's Kitchen housewives whose mobster husbands are sent to prison by the FBI, left with little but a sharp axe to grind. The ladies take the Irish Mafia's matters into their own hands, proving unexpectedly adept at... Uh, Everything, uh, proving unexpectedly adept at everything from running the rackets to taking out the competition, literally. It's directed by Andrea Burloff. This is her directorial debut, but she's written screenplays for movies such as Straight Outta Compton, World Trade Center, and uh, she's also attached to The Legend of Conan as a writer at this time, if that movie ever happens, which I want to point out, Jake, I went on a Conan deep dive this week as far as, like, Watching those old Schwarzenegger movies, I watched uh, both Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer, and then I said, "Fuck it, I'll finish it up." And I, it's not—I know it's not a Conan movie, but I did watch Red Sonja this week. Yeah, that's a fun trilogy. I still think of all three of those that it's that first Conan that I like the most. Uh, the one with James Earl Jones. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. I uh, well, there's only. He only, it's only two Conan movies. That Red Sonja movies, he plays a guy named Kalidor. Oh, that's right, that's right. It's not technically a Conan movie. And then, like, I, I had the, um, like, special edition DVD, and they really went in depth about the plans for that third movie that never got made, and that's always been really fascinating to me, the uh, Conan the King movie. Yeah, they're, they're still talking about that. This, this writer, Andrea Burloff, is actually, if you go to IMDb, she's attached to The Legend of Conan, We've talked about this years ago that, like, once Arnold came back and started doing movies, this was one of those movies that he wanted to come back and do, and it just hasn't, like, it just hasn't moved. The project hasn't moved. So I don't, I don't know how reliable IMDb is at this moment. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen, dude, you could go to IMDb and Gremlins 3 was up there for fucking years. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I do remember talking about this a bit because it, it would be almost be a happy accident for it to be made now. Yeah. Because like Schwarzenegger is almost more suited for the role now than he was then. It's one of the few roles. Like it's not like Terminator where it's like, why the fuck does this robot look so old? Well, Terminator does explain that. I don't mean to get all nerdy, but it no, is kind of like it's a tissue. It's a living tissue that does age. And it is explained in the movie that the the tissue that they um, Terminators live 120 years with their current battery, and uh, the tissue does age. So the character would age. I'm sorry to get all nerdy on you, nerd alert. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, need, I need to be drinking tequila tonight. I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit better, but I'm not, I I need to be more drunk. You know. Yeah, so, uh, The Kitchen, uh, this is one that I, I, Rebecca was really looking forward to this movie. This is one of her most anticipated movies of the year. I was dying yeah. to hear what she thought about this one. Uh, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, last time I checked, it was at a 
first it was at a fucking 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, at last time I checked, it was up to like a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's getting beat out by uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain, which is the dog yeah. movie. Uh, it's Kevin Costner as a dog that enjoys going on fast rides with his master. It's hard to believe that's even a real movie. What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? Like, I don't want to listen to a dog's thoughts that's like, that likes going in fast cars. Who the fuck wants to, my, I, actually my aunt was in town, she was talking about this movie. My mom loves these dog movies. Any fucking dog movie my parents love. It doesn't matter what the dog's doing. It, it, it really. Yeah, that's its own genre, right? Were they, um, were they put off by that one movie that had all the bad press? No! They weren't! <laughs> I told, I fucking told my dad about that. My dad was like, oh, me and your mom went and saw that movie. And then I told him, I was like, I said, I'm not gonna go see that movie because there was a, uh, production leak, a video that came out about the production in that movie where they sent that dog down a river, that German shepherd. And you could tell the dog didn't want to fucking do this stunt or whatever. And the guys were laughing about the dog floating down the river and stuff like that as they threw the dog in or whatever. And, uh, I don't know. My dad was just like, my dad loves dogs too. It was fucked up. I got fucking pissed at him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm not going to support that fucking movie. I don't know. My dad's weird like that. Kind of, he pissed me off. Me and him, we get in fights over the phone sometimes about shit. Cause he'll bring shit up that he knows fucking annoys me. And then, <laughs> it's not, it's, see, people think it's just me on the fucking show. Like, fuck no. Fuck no. Like, my dad will bring shit up about stuff, about like stuff like that, and I'll, I'll fucking go off on him. And I'm like, dad, I'm not doing this with you. And then I'll hang up with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He saw Hobbs and Shaw today. He liked it. He enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, um, Michelle really wants to see the kitchen too, and was kind of a little bit um, felt bad, you know, seeing the Rotten Tomato stuff going on. Yeah, well, let me tell you that this is one of the clunkiest fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, honestly, Jake, this it should not have been a movie. This should have been another Amazon series, like The Boys. Like, this is based on a comic book series. You give this to somebody else. And let them do this series. It needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. First off, I'll say this. Like, their rise to power happens so quickly and it feels like it happens too easily. Um, characters that are the most interesting in this are not explored. Characters that should be explored a little bit more are not explored more just for the mere fact that there's going to be a big twist with said character later on in the movie. So let's not explore them further. Uh, let's not explore them early on in the movie. Elizabeth Moss character is an incredible character. We get this, this woman is basically like these three women come from these mob hus- mobster husbands. Uh, and Elizabeth Moss character, her husband beats her. And so she's got bruises, she's get, and then they, these husbands get busted for a crime and get sent away to prison for three years. And so while he's in prison, she's learning from another, he's a, is a, a Vietnam vet who worked for the neighborhood gangsters as a hitman at one time, left this town, 
to get away from the police. He comes back and he starts to teach Elizabeth Moss character about like, you know, how to be an efficient killer. There's a really cool scene. It sounds really disturbing. They kill somebody. He kills somebody. They bring him back to their place, put him in the tub. And he's talking about how to hack somebody up and then put them in bags and then send them down the river. And he, he's like, you got to pop their lungs because lungs like to hold on to air and you got to rip open their chest and pop the lungs. That way it gets rid of the air. That way when you send them down the river, they'll sink and not float and that'll get you in trouble. Like stuff like that. There's a lot of really cool ideas that are explored in this movie. You know, like the, the, the mobster's wife who has been beaten and now she's like learning to be a killer and, uh, and, and stand up for herself and fight for herself. You've got, you know, um, the other, uh, Tiffany Haddish plays, uh, the wife of like one of the, these main head guys who, you know, is like the, the daughter-in-law of like somebody who's high up in the, in the mafia here. And, and, uh, I don't know, man, it, here's the thing, like this movie is so clunky. It has a lot of great ideas. They're just not put together. Right. And then as much as I love Tiffany Haddish in comedies, I think she's great in comedies. I've reviewed a lot of her comedies on this show and mm-hmm. I think her stand-up is really funny. She, they gave her a role as, in this movie that I don't think that she's ready for acting-wise. It's not like Will Smith jumped into dramatic roles immediately. Yes, you can say, oh, he did Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah, I get it. But there were <laughs> other, there were other roles that he waited years, like The Pursuit of Happiness was like years and years later. I feel like Tiffany Haddish, they threw her into a role that she wasn't prepared for. And she did not, was not good in this movie. She took me out of it because she's not, she's great. She's suited for comedies right now, but she's not ready for a meaty role in this kind of character yet in her acting career. She needs a little bit more before she's ready She's not on the level of a Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany uh, and Elizabeth Moss yet as when it comes to like the dramatic, the dramatic stuff. And yeah, it, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and it sounds like it wasn't like she was a bad apple in what otherwise would have been a great movie either, which probably didn't help the cause either. No, I mean, the direction was not good either. Like there's a lot of interesting things that are presented in this that just just it just doesn't fucking work you at one point in time you find out you have to piece it together but you find out like it's been a year since their husbands have been in prison and it the movie doesn't make it feel it doesn't give you any montage or any kind of like time lapse to make it feel like it's been a year you're like what the okay it's been a fucking year okay uh, it, it's not like a fucking Marvel movie where it fills the screen with how much time has passed. Right. It doesn't do that. So I, I, um, I'm going to toss this movie. Unfortunately, I, I, it, it just was not good. It just was not good. There was nothing really redeeming about this. If you're looking at this from like a comic book movie, if you're looking at this from the point of view as a mobster movie, yes, it has 
three talented actors, in my opinion, in this. I love Melissa McCarthy. I think Tiffany Haddish is fantastic. I love seeing her comedies. I think Elizabeth Moss is very talented. I love seeing her in Us this year. I think under Jordan Peele's direction, she was fantastic. I love her in The Handmaid's Tale. She actually does a really good performance in this. It's just, there's so much going on in this movie that it's, that they don't present it well and it's presented so clunky that I would say like the first, I don't know, like the first 20 minutes of this movie I thought were really good. And then just like as the, the more it went on, I was just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Like it's moving so quickly and like I'm not buying that. Yeah, it sounds like one of these classic cases of like where you've got this story that is this very long form story that these Hollywood execs try to boil down into this 90 minute to two yeah. and a half hour movie. And that's, that shit never fucking works. That's basically what they did with Dark Tower, too. I, where they take this yeah. high concept right. shit and just fuck it up. Exactly. Something that should have been like a, you know, like a eight episode, nine, ten episode series and try to like boil it down into two hours. It just doesn't work. And I don't care what you do at this point in her career. Tiffany Haddish, I think she's great. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've Tupperwared her fucking comedies on this. She was not ready for this role. She was not ready for this role. It just, it, I, 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 so I gotta, I, I'm tossing this movie. It was, it was a terrible fucking theater experience for me watching this. There was nothing in, like, there was, there were parts in this movie, like, and it wasn't even funny. It's like, if you're gonna have Tiffany Haddish in the fucking movie, have her do something funny at least, play to her strengths. Yeah, but, in a movie with Melissa McCarthy, of right, all people. Right, play to their fucking strengths, for crying out loud. I don't know. You had a lot of interesting stuff going on, but nothing was executed well. So, yeah, I sadly, it deserves the 22% that it currently has on Rotten Tomatoes, which really fucking sucks. And really fucking sucks that, I mean, fans of the DC Vertigo comic book that really wanted to see this done right won't get to see that. And who knows if we'll ever see this become a series on Amazon or Netflix or something like that now. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Cause it's not like it's this really popular franchise that finally got adapted. Right. It's, it's kind of the other way around. Yeah. They were trying to make a name for themselves with this adaptation. Yeah. So it doesn't sound like they moved the needle much. So it's not like people are going to be like, Oh, if only the, the kitchen could have been done right. I want to see, I, I do want to hear what Rebecca thought about this one. So, hope, you know, when we have her back on, um, we'll talk to her about this one. I, I want to know what she thought about it. If she, if she enjoyed it, fantastic. But my God, I, it was, it was one of those things where at the beginning, Jake, I'm telling you, 20 minutes in, I'm like, what are the critics talking about? This is really good. And the more that it progressed, Things were just happening too quickly. I felt a lot of things that I wanted to maybe explore and do deeper dives on were kind of like left by the wayside. And the more that Tiffany Haddish's character kind of like, uh, the more they expounded on her character and the more stuff that they gave her, I don't feel like she was ready as an actor yet to take on those things. And we see that with a lot of co- uh, 
comedians, Jake. We, we've seen that with a ton of comedians. I, you're not going to give Jim Carrey a dramatic role right after he does Ace Ventura Pet Detective. You're not going to give, you know what I mean? You're not going to give Will Smith a role after he does, you know, movies like, uh, Independence Day and, it took those guys years before they were starting, they, they were getting these dramatic roles and they were kind of like spoon feeding them these roles at first, you know? Um, so I, I just don't think she's quite there yet on that level, but I think this could be a learning yeah. lesson for her. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is unfortunate. I thought this movie had a really fantastic trailer too. So, yeah. I, I hate when they kind of pull that one on you. Yeah. Yeah, watch it and decide for yourself. Uh, I did watch uh, the first three episodes of Netflix's new series, Wu Assassins. Uh, Wu Assassins follows the story of Kai Jin, a young Chinatown chef in present-day San Francisco, as he becomes entangled with the Chinese triad's pursuit of deadly ancient powers known as Wu Zing. After an encounter with a mystical spirit, Kai reluctantly becomes the Wu Assassin. Using his enhanced martial arts skills to recover supernatural powers from five modern-day criminals threatening to use them to destroy the world. Uh, the series stars Eco Uwes, Catherine Winnick, Byron Mann, Louis Tan, uh, Lawrence Cao, uh, Celia Ao, and Lu Jun, uh, Lee Jun Lee. Um, this is a series I've been looking forward to. All I knew uh, earlier this year uh, was that it was called Wu Assassins, and it starred Iko Uwes, and that was enough for me to want to watch this series. Then I watched the trailer last week. I was kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Because they introduced, like, this whole, like, he's the Wu Assassin, and he, you know, all these thousand monks reside within him, and he uh, inherits their powers. And then watching this show, you find out that... He's got to fight, uh, you know, the, uh, different people have the power of elementals, uh, fire, wind, water, and earth. Uh, we're introduced so far to the fire elemental, which happens to be uh, his, uh, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, his, uh, not you, but like somebody else, his <laughs> father, I believe, like the guy that raised him. Um, uh, and uh, I'm three episodes in on this one, and it is just not grabbing me at all. I I love Eco Uways. I loved him in uh you know uh the raid films. Loved him. I thought he was really good in Stupid too. I just I think his action really lended something to that film and I'm glad he got to showcase his abilities in that movie. Uh and then The Night Comes for Us was another one. This is just like the a, another case of giving somebody too much to do that they're not ready for. Like Eco Uways is he's uh He's been, he's being surrounded by a bunch of people that uh, are well versed in the English language and, you know, he, he's an Indonesian actor, he's learning English and he's doing a great job, but I feel like it's, he's just not quite there yet as far as like, uh, uh, being like the main character in this series and being able to, to, uh, connect to yet because of maybe the language barrier is, is part of it. Um, but, uh, that's part of it, but the other part of it is just like it's just not really good, right? So yeah, like how were the fight sequences? At least like was was that you can count on them at the end of each episode, and they're okay. Oh. You know what I mean? Like it's like they hold on, they hold off on them. Um, so 
Yeah, it's one of those things, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger got off the boat from Austria, and he was not a good actor. <laughs> they gave him the movie Hercules in New York, where they actually dubbed his lines. They had somebody talk over him, you know. And uh, Eco Uwes is in that kind of, like, he's in that place where he's just kind of, like, he's he's he knows English, but he he's he's still... He's still trying to, trying to be able to incorporate it as far as like, uh, acting wise. I don't know how to say this. Um, I'm not, try- I'm not trying to knock the guy and I, I can't speak too fucking No, it's just, just, I, I know what you're saying yeah. though. It's like, it, sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't, especially yeah. if you have to carry the entire show. Right. Like you have to, you know, be able to, you know, r- retain everyone's attention and, yeah. you know, kind of carry the drama. Yeah, and and that's it, it, it's. I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, if, if you know, you're saying that's not translating. If that if that's not working for you, then that's you're just bored. I am bored. I am bored, and I am bored with the show. And I'm three episodes in, and I think that I might tap out of this one. I told myself I'm gonna watch three episodes, and if I'm not hooked, I'm done. The third episode did leave me on kind of like a cool kind of like cliffhanger of sorts. So I might jump back into the fourth episode and see where I go with it. But like, I'm really not digging Wu assassins. Like this is not the stuff that I want to see from eco Uways. How many episodes are there of this thing? I think, yeah, there's 10, 10 episodes at about 40 to 45 minutes a piece. Oh yeah. So that's a big commitment. If you're already bored on three, yeah, it sucks. And there's so many other things that I could be watching in the interim. You know, I'm fucking, I got people yelling at me for like, why haven't you started Fleabag? You know, and I'm hearing everybody going nuts about Fleabag. And so I want to watch, I want to watch Fleabag. Like, why waste my time? It's because I, I'm a huge fan of this guy. I, I think U.S. is like, uh, just an amazing martial artist and I've loved his other work. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this fucking Yeah, show. man. And I know you. If you're digging something, you're fly- – I mean, look at Glow Season 3. Well, and the, the thing is, I'm not going to get on here and be like, oh, just because I love Eco Uways, I'm going to fucking say that this fa- show's fantastic. Like, that's – I'm yeah, not going to yeah, bullshit you. Yeah, that's not true you. to anything. Like, right now, I'm going to fucking toss it with this, man. I'm at a fucking toss it with Wu Assassins right now. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I remember when we reviewed the trailer and we kind of were nervous because it kind of had, to me, what was almost a Power Rangers vibe to it that made it kind of seem like it lacked any seriousness. Yeah, what's crazy about that is it feels like that at times, but, like, there's also, like, they're dropping F-bombs and there's, like, some violence in this one. You get blood and you get fucking, like, you know... A little bit of gung fu and blood splattering on the on the walls and shit. So it's fucking weird, man. And so it's like, I don't know. Stick with one thing or the other. I guess it's weird. Like, and it's not like I don't like um, fucking like uh, fantasy when it comes to like my martial arts Asian influenced movies. I love Big Trouble in Little China. I loved uh, recently last year. I loved watching the new Legends of Monkey. On Netflix, I Tupperware that. I, I think that that is fantastic. Has martial arts, has you know, uh, fighting with weapons. It has uh, fantasy and magic. All these things that are presented here in Wu Assassins, it just does it fucking better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I almost feel like you should just tap out on this one. 
Like, don't why why torture yourself? I tell you one thing. I like I, I watched the first episode, and then I was like, okay, I saw that. Let's go watch Glow. And Jake, I just could not stop watching Glow, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't wait to get in on Glow. That just hit Friday, and it's been work, work, and then here we are. And yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm I'm super excited. I'm, I'm interested to see if I think the first half is is kind of not as engaging. Well, I hope that like when you watch it now, just knowing that like this stuff, just having the knowledge that it's all going to pay off, I hope it keeps you invested. Yeah, that's true. I had um. You get those Netflix ads on your on your Facebook, and I got one for the season, and it was a scene with Gina Davis as what looked like a Las Vegas like club owner, mm-hmm. and and I, I couldn't help myself. Like I was like, oh, I have to see Gina Davis in Glow, so I watched the scene, and yeah. it, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, uh, they don't give her a lot early on. They really don't. I, I and I don't know like if if that character is going to be. Uh, Anything in season four, we'll see. My God, yeah. Well, I uh, I don't think we have to talk about Glow season three. Like, I want to hear what your thoughts are on it when you watch it, but I don't think we have to do a deep dive about it. But I would like to talk to you just personally after the fact. Oh yeah, and ask your for sure. I mean, that's been one of my favorite Netflix show. It may be my favorite Netflix show now that I think about it. Honestly, I because I, I, I really like Betty Gilpin's character. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to somebody about Betty Gilpin's character at the end of the season, just to kind of like talk about her character and where it goes. But uh, let's take a quick break, come back and do the pop culture leftovers news. Guys, it sucks, man. I really, I hate getting on here. I hate getting on here and saying a comic book movie uh, featuring three women. Uh, I hate saying that a uh, martial arts uh, series featuring Asians uh, on Netflix that these things are not good. It really fucking sucks. But I'm not going to get on here and fucking bullshit you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, writing's writing, and you're going to have shitty stuff everywhere, no matter who or what stars in it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. I eco. I don't know. I don't see. I don't see Wu Assassins getting a second season. Um, and I hope that this doesn't hurt this guy's career. Because I think Eco Uways is a is a fucking talent, and I I want to see the guy. I, I do want to see him get more stuff. So we'll see. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, sounds good. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No. I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. 
Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we're back. Whatever. <laughs> uh, don't be too excited. Right, this episode's fucking stupid. Yeah. Boy, we've been plagued by some uh, technical difficulties lately the last few episodes, huh? Yeah, we have. I don't know. I feel, I feel like our banter is a big miss this episode. I don't know. I think it's been okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. When comparing it to our iTunes reviewers, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the curve. Jesus. Uh, people have some weird sexual fetishes, don't they, Jake? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's an outlet for all of them, too, unfortunately. Let's play a game here. Let's Before we jump into the news, let's play a little game. I want you to think of a, a weird sexual fetish that you don't know if it exists or not. And then I'm going to Google it and find out if it's a real fucking thing. How's that sound? Yeah, I'm into it. All right, here we go. I'm going to start. I'm going to give you an idea, a little taste of like... And I'm not looking for something too complicated, all right? No, I already, th- I already thought of something. All right, here's mine. Here's my People that enjoy masturbating in coffins. Right? Is that fucking weird? Yeah, I, that has to exist. You, oh, you think so? Let's find out. Uh, people, they, I'm going to type it just the way I said it, just as eloquently as I said it on the podcast. <laughs> people that masturbate... In coffins. Here we go. Is this a thing? I don't see anything. I see nothing. I see this is how often women masturbate from the Huffington Post. I'm kind of intrigued by that. I don't know. I I think maybe you've got some parental Google blockers going or something. You think so? Where do people masturbate the most? Nine things to know about. And I see nothing about coffins. Oh man! If that if that was a Family Feud question, that would be a big red X. That's terrible. I'm telling you, missing coffins is coming up in all of these search searches. I'm seeing nothing about coffins. Uh, men who went along coffins, choosing which body to have sex with. Oh, that's necrophilia. <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> uh, Jake? What was yours? Uh, how about how about soda cans turn me on? Soda cans turn me on. Let's see here. What do we got? So apparently we've been using soda cans all wrong. That comes. Oh no! Comes from Food Beast. Uh, no. Uh, we are not good at this game. Otherwise, uh, these search engines suck. Do I need to go to the dark web? <laughs> like, what do I, what do I gotta... You have to go to the dark web for soda can fetishes <laughs> and uh, coffin masturbation. How, okay, soda cans. If they turned you on, what are you doing to said soda can? Like, you don't like you don't want to pop it open, empty it out, and then. I think you pop it open at the exact same time you climax. Oh, okay. So it's like, uh, yeah. I don't know. So you're not rubbing your dick on the can? No, I think you're, I think you're rubbing your, your dick with your own hand while you're rubbing the can with your hand as well. In this made-up fetish. Completely made-up fetish that I've, I've come up with. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I, I, want, uh, I want Pumpkin Nuts 06 to fucking rate your fucking fetish. I give it a toss it. <laughs> I don't know that it's boring. 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do you, okay, the the soda that the that they're drinking instead of it being called Fanta, could you call it Fapta? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right, finally we got one joke out of that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was like fucking getting milk from a rock. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Uh, let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I really am trying. <laughs> me too. Me too. We're both trying. I don't need. I goddamn. I got a new computer. I don't have the pop culture leftovers news <laughs> bumper available to us. <laughs> we'll have it next week. Don't worry, people. Uh, <laughs> It's the leftover news. Uh, it's the leftover. Something, something, something. Hear ye, hear ye. Read all about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> plus one, the movie with uh, Jack Quaid and Maya Erskine that I reviewed uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast is now available to watch on Hulu. It's a R-rated rom-com, and I highly recommend it. If you have Hulu, watch Plus One, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Also wanted to point out that season one of uh, Impulse is now free to watch on YouTube. This is a show that I watched the entire season of. Absolutely loved it on YouTube Red. And uh, I would highly recommend, now that it's available to watch for free on YouTube, that people check this one out. So I just wanted to give two people uh, two things that are available to watch now uh, some shout-outs. Uh, Jake, Ghostbusters 2020 is uh, shooting in Calgary, and uh, some set photos have leaked. Uh, apparently the Ecto-1 is indeed back, and it was seen in Calgary. It had rust on it. So it's, uh, it looks like since we're seeing a rusty Ecto-1, we're getting the same one that we had in the original films. And, uh, they also had on the side of a business, it looked like a, uh, maybe like a, like an old grocery store. There's an ad for, uh, Stay Puffed Marshmallows that was painted on the brick of this old-timey grocery store, and it'll probably just amount to an Easter egg, but I still just, I, I don't know, wanted to throw that out there, that they're they're shooting in Calgary, it is happening, we're getting the Ecto-1, and uh, it looks like an Easter egg for Stay Puff Marshmallows. Yeah, that's cool. I, the Ecto-1 stuff's not too surprising, right? This This kind of feels like it's trying to hit as much on the old nostalgia as possible is the plan here. Well, we saw the Ecto-1 in the teaser trailer. Oh, that's also a great point. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a teaser trailer. I just call it kind of like a, I don't even know. An awareness, an awareness video. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't even a sizzle reel. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like a, like what you, yeah, an awareness video. Do you think there's (laughs) an, this thing is happening. (laughs) Do you think there's an awareness video for people that are attracted to soda cans? (laughs) Uh, What is that video like, like? Is it trying to help said person? I don't know. There's got to be some kind of, like, soda porn out there. Because you know the fucking movie theaters are doing it. Every time they show you, like, go to the lobby and drink Coca-Cola. And then you see, like, the the fizziest, bubbliest fucking Coca-Cola you've ever seen in your life. And it's got, like, it's dripping wet. You know what I mean? It's like... (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... You know what I mean? There's, like... It's dripping wet, like, on the outside where you get the condensation. It's like a... uh, It's like a... You know, it's like a woman walking out of the shower and she's still wet and she's still sopping wet. You know what I mean? You see water hitting the tile floor and they're they're really trying to turn you on in that scene. You're watching a a Cinemax, Skinemax, soft porn, and she's stepping out of the shower. They're doing the same thing in the sodas. 
You know what I mean? They're doing the same thing with the fucking... I hate that fucking shit. And Jake, they always fucking play that fucking shit when you're already sitting down to watch the goddamn movie. They're showing you, like, the, the popping popcorn... And you hear it popping. They show it to you. They show you the butter. And then they're like, oh, and we got Coca-Cola. And then they show you the Coke. It's the fizziest fucking carbonated drink you've ever seen in your fucking life. I guarantee you. Like, oh, there's, God there's, forbid you watch that shit in IMAX 3D, too. Oh, my God. And you're, <laughs> and you're thirsty? And you're thirsty to boot. Oh, man. Let me tell you a real quick life tip. Don't Google search soda can porn. Oh, because oh, are they sticking in their vaginas? <laughs> yeah, the first thing that came up was the human soda can dispenser at xvideos.com. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where you put the quarter. It really doesn't. <laughs> it's all coming out the same place. It's all well, coming out the same One of two places. <laughs> yeah, one of two. Oh, God, they do it. <laughs> oh, my God, the rock and the anal soda. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Oof, yeah, I'm not going to dig through that to find uh the one specific fetish. I've I've seen enough. James Wan not going to be doing This is fucked up. James, I I kind of love it though. Bloody Disgusting had an article teasing James Wan's next project. The next film that James Wan will direct is a new horror movie for New Line and no, it's not secretly a new Nightmare on Elm Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this article, but Jake, here's the thing: it's like you would think that Warner Brothers would have like locked this guy up and had him chained and writing and directing Aquaman two right now, right? Yeah, yeah, much like Patty Jenkins, like, oh my God, someone else made a successful DC movie. Yeah, let's trap him in the cave. <laughs> well, it's it, what's crazy too is that well, I guess this is not that. Crazy, I guess. Like, Taika with well, see, Marvel can get away with it. I, I feel like DC doesn't have anything right now other than that people are really excited for. Other than let me let me throw these out there: Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Shazam. Those are like the big three movies in the last few years that audiences have kind of connected. Yeah, I to. think I think the Uber nerds are excited for. James Gunn Suicide Squad, but I think that's like none of the masses know about that. Well, it's like James Gunn is doing that before he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That's a great example, though. Now that I think about it, it's like it's like Marvel couldn't even pull James Gunn away from that project first. Like he's doing that, you know what I mean? He's doing mm -hmm. fucking Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad first before he's doing before he's doing. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which was supposed to be part of the Phase 4 lineup, Jake. Not, yeah. not part of the Phase 4 lineup. Yeah, it definitely has to throw a wrench in the works, because Gunn seems like he had it really like planned out time-wise, as far as when and where these movies took place, like kind of, and along with the releases. So it'll be interesting to see what we're even doing in Guardians 3 now. Well, what's crazy is like, Marvel can get away with this for the most part, like, as far as, like, Taika Waititi, like, not doing a Marvel movie right away after Thor Ragnarok. It's not like he has to fucking get back out there and do another Marvel movie. They've got plenty of other fucking stories to tell. The Eternals, Black Widow, you know, uh, Doctor Strange, you know. They, you make a great point. And not only that, but it's not like Thor won't be showing up in some of those either. 
Right. So even without Taika Waititi, it's not like you're putting Thor on some indefinite pause. Yeah. So it's, so, so Taika in the interim, before he even starts, you know, Love and Thunder, Thor 4, is doing Jojo Rabbit and he's released, like he had a secret project which which they're finally talking about this week. Did you see that? Taika's secret project. It's a sports movie? I believe it's, uh, let me look this up. I'm sorry I don't have this ready, guys. I think it's a... Were you about to tell me Jermaine Clement's in it? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Damn. I thought I heard you almost say his name. No, Taika Waititi is doing a, I think it's a soccer movie. Uh, If you're in Europe, you call it football, but we call it soccer over here. I know, you're right, I'm wrong. You're right and I'm wrong. It's football. It was football first there. I get it. I'm American. I'm sorry. That's what, it, that's what we do. Oh yeah. Waititi's, here we go. Let me get back to this. Next White, goal wins. Next goal wins is Waititi's next movie. And uh, I believe it's, uh, what is it? Is it, uh, based hot? on the 2014 British soccer documentary from directors Mike Brett and Steve Jamison. Yeah, yeah. Next goal wins. Waititi wrote, this is from Dark Horizons, Waititi wrote the screenplay with uh, Ian Morris, and the story follows the national football team of American Samoa as they attempt to turn around their disastrous record and qualify for the FIFA World Cup with the help of uh, new coach Thomas Rongan, uh, Garrett Bash, Jonathan Cavendish, and Andy Serkis will produce the film. So, uh, yeah, two movies in the interim. It, which kind of blows me away that he's able to do that, which is pretty awesome because it feels like um, the Russos couldn't even get away with this uh, with Marvel, you know, being tied up and doing all these uh, with, with the Avengers movies back to back. And here's Taika knocking out two fucking movies in the interim before he starts Love and Thunder. And James Wan, though, is like he's like. He's like, you'd think that Warner Brothers would be like, dude, you gotta start Aquaman 2 right now. And, and to keep, to keep people excited about Aquaman, because they know it's gonna be a while before they even start filming the next Jason Momoa Aquaman movie, they're coming out with a horror movie called The Trench that deals with the, the monsters that were featured in that movie in a, in a horror kind of like, uh, in a horror film that doesn't, feature superheroes just probably regular people being terrorized by uh these uh trench creatures it's it's crazy but Juan is uh Juan teased on Facebook there's been a bit of speculation as to what my next project is all I'll say is I'm super excited to go back to my indie roots with this hard R thriller an original horror idea not a reboot remake or anything based on an existing IP with old school practical effects and no giant blue screen sets that's all i'll say for now so that's cool wow yeah good for him <laughs> though yeah and that that just sounds like a kind of a like, isn't aquaman 2 already set like for a day like it's it's not too far off it's like 2020? I'm Googling this. No, you are way off, dude. They might be filming in... Yeah, they might be filming in 2020, but it'd probably be the end of 2020 if they are filming then. I was saying it's Aquaman 2, directed by James Wan, December 16th, 2022. That can't be official. So they'll probably start filming at the end of 2020. If that is official. 
Hmm. So here's an article from four hours ago from the rap that says they were supposed to start filming already, but Momoa is busy protesting the construction of a giant telescope on land considered sacred to native Hawaiians. Oh, wow. Sorry, Warner Brothers. We can't shoot Aquaman 2, he wrote in an Instagram post, because Jason got run over by a bulldozer trying to stop the desecration of his native land. Hmm. Wow. I, I, so. Yeah, I, I think that that's just trying to get attention to that cause. I, I don't think that they have any... I agree. I think they're just trying to say, hey, because yeah. of all this, we can't do Aquaman 2, no. so stop this from happening, so we I'm, can make Aquaman 2. I'm sorry, but James Wan doesn't want to jump right back into that world. He's got something else that he wants to do, and, well, you got to respect Warner Brothers for letting him do that, and not fucking moving. You got to, okay, you, I think you have to respect Warner Brothers for saying, alright, we'll give you the time to make this other movie. And then we'll wait for you to come back. We liked what you did with the first Aquaman. I think that's pretty fucking cool because you'd see, sometimes you see studios just be, they just draw. It's like, it makes me wonder, like, did Ruben Fleischer not want to come back and direct Venom 2? Yeah, that is interesting. And like, usually when that's the case, you kind of instantly know why. It's like, well, I'm going to do this passion project or I got signed on to this bigger franchise right. or or whatever and it's hard to imagine they would be mad at what he did was i don't think anyone expected venom to be kind of the financial runaway that it was right so i don't know i i mean it leads you to think maybe they're they were like okay if we're gonna do this again we're not dealing with this guy again type of thing yeah I know he just did the zombie land, but like that now that that's done, like now would be the perfect time if he were to come back just to announce him. Yeah, he's returning. Michelle Williams is coming back. I saw that announcement. She's coming back. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I think you kind of need her. Yeah. Uh, news from Variety Amazon boards Simon Pegg, Nick Frost series, Truth Seekers. Truth Seekers, a comedy horror series about. So Simon Pegg and Nick Frost going to do a series from from Amazon, a comedy horror series about paranormal investigators starring Nick Frost and Simon Pegg uh, will bow on Amazon Prime Video, which has landed international rights to the show and will launch it as an original. The project is the first series from its stars, Sony-backed production company, Stolen Pictures. So Nick Frost, Simon Pegg started their own uh, production company called Stolen Picture. This is going to be their first, uh, their first project. Frost plays Gus, one half of a ghost hunting duo who team up to uncover and film paranormal sightings across the UK in the series. They stake out haunted house, uh, haunted churches, underground bunkers, and abandoned hospitals using an array of homemade ghost detecting gizmos and share their adventures on an online channel. Their supernatural experiences grow more frequent, terrifying, and even deadly as the pair begin to uncover a conspiracy that could threaten the entire human race. Um, Peg will also star as Dave, a character about whom little is yet known. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, this sounds like it could be just absolutely hilarious. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see a, a trailer or a commercial for this. Yeah, and uh, like these two guys together, like... I love Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and to see these two guys back together doing a series about ghost hunting, which is something, I'll be honest with you, I've done before. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's something I've actually never been able to take 100% seriously either, so it's kind of perfect for, for comedy. I uh, I had a I had a friend who was into ghost hunting, and we there's a very uh, uh, kind of like, I don't know if it's famous, it's shown up in some ghost hunting videos. There's a, um, a Civil War cemetery near where I live, and we went out there and we were trying to you know find ghosts and and uh we had uh something called uh i think it was called spirit speak or ghost speak or whatever it was and it's like it's supposed to pick up like you record on this thing and it's supposed to pick up sounds that you can't hear um this guy i'm not even joking like had recordings of going out and doing this stuff where you hear um, I don't know. I sound like I'm fucking crazy right now. I'm gonna say it anyway. But you hear like loud bangs and stuff like that that you didn't hear while you were out there. Um, went back oh, wow. and like, listened to it. Like it was, uh, and then matched it up with like what the sound actually was. It was cannons, like Civil War cannons. So, uh, it pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. I don't know. I. It, I just had a lot of fun breaking into it. We we broke into a cemetery and we're running around with like these fucking like devices that were picking up like energies and stuff like that. And I felt like a real ghostbuster. It was a fucking blast. So yeah, I mean that sounds like it'd be a fantastic time. Like I would definitely be game for like any kind of crazy adventure like that. Yeah, and to see well this series with Nick Frost. And Simon Pegg just sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun and probably poke fun at some of, like, these ghost hunter shows that you see on, like, Sci-Fi or Annie or whatever the fuck they're aired on. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, like, those are exactly the type of shows I was thinking of when you were, were talking about this show, like, yeah. kind of parodying. And I've always kind of eye-rolled been very skeptic of those kind of shows. So I think this could be very ripe for comedy. During, uh, this news comes from Collider, during an earnings call, with investors on Tuesday, Disney chief Robert Iger announced that the studio is developing reboots, reimaginings of family-friendly hits such as Home Alone, Night of the Museum, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and Cheaper by the Dozen. So, uh, we found out also, I just want to throw this out there, that pretty much every Fox project has been scrapped, except for, I believe, Avatar Films and Planet of the Apes. So they are going to go ahead and do more Planet of the Apes movies without Matt Reeves, who's working currently on the Batman. But, uh, yeah, Home Alone, Night at the Museum, Die Every Wimpy Kid, and Cheaper by the Dozens. And these are going to be going straight to the Disney Plus service. Yeah, I found this to be very weird news. Um, Because most of these franchises, I mean, other than, like, um, Home Alone, are pretty recent franchises to be already rebooting, which was kind of the weird part to me. Yeah, but Diary of a Wimpy Kid was the movies, and here they would be doing a series, which, like, I'm fine with a Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, you know what I mean? Or a Night at the Museum series, but a Home Alone series... Yeah, like how do you get past the initial concept? Like that seems like you're really milking the cow at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you what are you doing in a Home Alone series? 
Like, are you, are you killing off the parent so he's permanently home alone? So you have the series. Yeah, a Disney Plus series where they kill off the parents. The parents are dead, and the kid is home <laughs> alone. Maybe he lives with their dead, rotting corpses. Maybe he uh, hangs out in the coffin and masturbates. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to imply that. <laughs> I just wanted to take it a step further and remind people that earlier in the episode, I posed the question of, are there people out there who enjoy masturbating in coffins? Is that a fetish? Is that a real thing? Yeah. The, the new star of Home Alone does. <laughs> oh, man. I, You know what? Whatever. Do what you want to, Disney. I don't give a shit. Home Alone 1 will always exist, no matter what they do. It'll always remain one of the most perfect Christmas movies ever. Yeah, it's a great fucking movie, man. See, the thing is, it's like, uh, you gotta, like, it's gonna be hard to top, uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci as far as, like, the, the, the criminal element in that, in the Oh, movie. yeah. Every aspect of that movie is almost impossible to recreate, right? I mean, you got the John Candy supporting role, Catherine yeah. O'Hara is so fantastic in it. Um, I think it's low key one of John Williams' greatest scores of all time. Do you want me? You want me? Um, you want me, you want me to, yeah, John Williams. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a John Hughes movie too. Yeah, I, I, I get why they want to. I mean, try to revisit that franchise and make more money. You know, yeah, yeah. but it's whatever. I'm not going to beat myself up let about me, it. Let me let me cast this one. You want me to cast this one? Yeah. That's uh, Judy Greer will be the mom. She's always the mom, right? <laughs> yeah, I, that's not far-fetched at all. Dude, I nailed it, right? So, like, when yeah. we get that Judy Greer announcement as the mother, Google her, guys. Google her if you don't know who she is. She was the mother. She'll in die the, in the first episode. She was in Jurassic World. She was the mom in that one of the two well, boys. She was in the mom. What else was it in Right Away? She was uh, the mom in the new Halloween movie, too. She was the daughter of uh, fucking uh, Strode. Oh, okay. Fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis loves her yogurt, doesn't she, man? Oh, yeah. She likes to poop. Big fan of Dannon. <laughs> Big fan of Dannon. Big fan of pooping in general, Big, I take it. A huge fan of fucking cleaning out the colon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Colon Blow? Do you remember that commercial? Yeah, that always cracked me. On up. SNL, Phil Hartman. That yeah. was funny. Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> this episode's stupid. It's pretty bad. <laughs> you can't make chicken soup out of chicken shit, can you, Jake? No, no, no. Uh, you know, I kind of, even, like, I, no, I, there's, what news was there this week, too? I kind of knew this. Oh, was dude, dude, there was some disaster. shit news this week, man. This news, this, this week, I mean, we had this, uh, Disney investor call, and they, uh, you know, they did this. Oh, I was gonna say, the Joe Pesci criminal, Charlie Day. They're casting Charlie Day there. Oh, that, that would be good. I, yeah. I almost don't want to see, your casting is too good. I don't want to see any of that people wasted on this pile of shit. <laughs> It's Disney Plus, though. They're going to throw money like a motherfucker at this one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Charlie Day in the in the uh, Joe Pesci role makes me want to watch. Yeah, I know. I, I'm telling you, man. That's why it's like, it's like, it, it, 
come on. Why am I not like a casting director? Because I would fucking, you know what I mean? I think I would fix at least 75% of these fucking movies. They could just yeah. rattle off like, it's like, not, not, not like a new IP, but just like, they could just rattle off a movie and they could be like, what do you got for us? I'd be like, this is who we gotta get. They were like, we were thinking Meryl Streep and I'm like, you don't have to get Meryl Streep for this. No, save some money. Guys, you, uh, you've said, for the last five movies, you've said Meryl Streep for everything that you've presented me today. I'm, I'm giving you gold. She's she, yes, she's a fucking living legend. She's amazing, but she's not fit for every fucking role. You're not going to get Meryl Streep for Night at the Museum on Disney Plus, guys. Chill the fuck out. It's not going to happen. You know, I've never seen a single one of those movies. Night of the you've never seen Night at the Museum? No. Oh man, they're a blast. They're fun. Yeah, I've heard good things. I I, I do want to see him. I know Robin Williams. It's one of the few Robin Williams things I haven't seen. Yeah, uh, the the final one was uh, post posthumous. He was, he'd passed. He had passed. I saw that in the theater after he passed. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah. Was that his final movie? I don't know if it was his final movie. Mm-hmm. One of though, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of his final movies. Uh, let's see here. What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, Home Alone. Yeah, how you place, uh, what, what kid are you getting? Just a rando kid to play Macaulay Culkin's yeah. character? Yeah, rando kid, yeah. That's what you gotta do at this point. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know. I don't watch too many programs with lots of, I, I can't think of, like, other than, like, Jacob Tremblay. I don't know who the big young actors are right now. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like I know. Usually you're just shitting on them when they leave iTunes reviews. So, yeah, you don't know who the fuck these kids are. <laughs> I don't sit around watching Disney Channel. You know what I mean? No, at least not yet. What do you mean not yet? When, when would I be? With the, with the Disney Plus stuff coming. Oh, I get it. Oh, that's funny shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like what was Disney Channel is pretty much going to migrate to that at this right. point, right? Like, how many original properties are they going to be busting on the Disney Channel once Disney Plus comes out? All the crap that – I think all the quality stuff's going to be on Disney Plus. You're still going to get, like, the sweet life of Zach and fuck nuts on whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? You're going to get that <laughs> – you know what I mean? You're going to get that crap on the fucking Disney Channel and Disney XD. I don't think you're going to be – you know what I mean? I think that's where they'll send, like, the, the reject shit. Like, you know, like, all the kids, all these kids that they cast that think their lives are so important as they're filming these stupid fucking shows. And then once they fucking, you know, outgrow these roles and get thrown into the real world and can't get a real job acting and then start smoking crack and fucking, like, I don't know, <coughs> sucking, sucking dicks in alleys and shit for cash, like... That's the kind of stuff that Yeah, you're... dude, I don't want um I don't want Disney to lose that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a proud truth. Yeah. Can you imagine being a child actor? Hold on, here's the thing. Can you imagine being a child actor, Jake? And here's the thing, child actors and and, a sh- and the show revolves around you. The whole show revolves around you as this child. You're not fucking like uh the one fucking Winslow daughter that nobody fucking even knew her name on all Family Matters, you know what I mean? That fucking disappeared in like the seventh season and they never even explained why she left the show. You're, <laughs> you're, you're an important integral part of the show. You're like a main part of the show, this child actor. 
And then for whatever fucking reason, you know what I mean? Like whether it be like, you know, you grow, you grow up and you're not as cute as you once were. Cause like, look at the kid from Jerry Maguire, right? That kid was fucking adorable, right? The little blonde kid with the buzz cut and the glasses. Yeah, yeah. Fucking adorable. Have you seen him as an adult? Yeah, yeah, it's not good. Looks I, like, I, I looks like, you know, remember, too. you remember when fucking, uh, Jeff Goldblum turned into the fly? <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, that's what happened to this fucking kid. <laughs> that terrified kid. me. Right, exactly. That's what happened to this fucking kid once he hit puberty. You know what I mean? And so, can you imagine being like one of these child actors and like the whole, like the, like all these people at your beck and call? Like, you're a fucking kid and everybody is, you're, you're the shit. You're on this show. And then you grow up, and then fucking it's all over. Like, you've peaked as a child, right? Career-wise. Like, this, the career that you've chosen for yourself is acting. And you've peaked in said career as a child. That's why Corey Feldman's so fucking fucked up, right? Yeah, it's a miracle he's not more fucked up. And look at, look at Dustin Diamond. He's stabbing guys in bars and shit that are fucking yeah. like... You know what I mean? Because I don't know, man. It's crazy. Porn and shit. <laughs> Look at Dan, uh, Dana Plato from Different Strokes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of different examples, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm, the, the news this week is so sad that I'm just talking about kids fucking their lives up once they get older. Look at it, Edward Furlong too. He was so talented. Now, like, what's he doing? Yeah. Not shit. He's like, he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna look like the fucking comic book store owner in The Simpsons when I get older. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Brutally honest on this episode. <laughs> <I'm> s- <laughs> <laughs> Am I being mean? No, that cracked me up. I'm not making fun. Of, I'm not fucking making fun of twelve year olds. Jesus Christ! No, crack them in. <laughs> That's your cue. <laughs> Who did someone call for me? <laughs> Who are you oh, gonna call? Shit. Child roasters. <laughs> oh, let me tear up your fucking Elmo toy. <laughs> I guess 12-year-olds aren't playing with Elmo toys. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't fucking know. A 12-year-old playing with an Elmo. <laughs> Dude, the I don't fuck know what the fuck 12-year-olds <laughs> play with these days. I was 12, video games. Right? I was playing. Dude, I, when I was 12, I was playing with my dick, man. <laughs> was like, fucking, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That was the age. That was the age when it was like... I don't know. Before that, it was like, uh, you know, it's like I'm laying on the carpet and like, oh man, rubbing up, rubbing a cup up against this feels pretty damn good on my blue jeans. <laughs> and I think by the time I was 12, I was humping the couch. You know what I mean? I was like, I, I was like, I was like a, I was like a five month year old schnauzer. You know? <laughs> 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 just horny as shit humping a couch <laughs> oh man thank god you didn't have the internet back then 
Oh God, it would have been amazing had I did, had I had it. I remember. I remember. The couch got fucked up. I'll tell you what did get fucked up was the fucking J.C. Penny catalogs. Oh yeah. The bra section. Jesus Christ. Yeah, all guys did it. That's all we had back then. Unless you could be lucky enough to get your hands on a fucking like uh, Playboy. All we had to fall back on was like the the J.C. Penny and the Sears catalog. Oh yeah, even like the Victoria's Secret mailer. If you could, oh, that was like, oh, here, when my on one of those. When my mom got Fredericks of Hollywood, it was just Jizz City, sir. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was seriously like I was painting the walls with cum. <laughs> I was like Sherwin Williams with a penis. <laughs> Oh, my fucking headpiece fell out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the new, the, the new, mean, this is, this is kind of news. <laughs> it's news. <laughs> it's news to our listeners. <laughs> ask now, ask how, ask Sherwin Williams. Um, Oof. Yeah. Yeah, totally masturbated to fucking uh JCPenney bra ads. 100%. No shame in that. You know you did it too. Don't even fucking deny yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't I don't, I I, don't know if it was necessarily um I don't think I had the JCPenney brand loyalty, but I mean basically the same thing. <laughs> brand loyalty. <laughs> like at at 12 I'm like I only masturbate to JCPenney. <laughs> Yeah. Get out of here, Bergners! <laughs> trying to invade my space. <laughs> no, I am all of. Oh my god, I couldn't tell you how many times I fantasized about the uh, the Price is Right models as a child. <laughs> I think, and I think it was. I think it, it was the redhead that drove me crazy on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. Just right models. I don't even. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of them. <laughs> what, the whole point of them is fucking whack off material for fucking tweens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's what made prices right so accessible for everyone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much that box of rice aroni costs, but I just came to that fucking blonde that's showing it off. <laughs> the, the whole idea of the Price is Right girl is pretty wild, right? Because like the yeah. the show and its time slot, and even the era of when it came out was was mostly for women, right? Like even the games were kind of designed for that generation's like woman. So what the fuck are all these like supermodels <laughs> trouncing around? Like who's that for? They're trying to get that male demographic to watch, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess that's true. Oh man, remember, remember, you know, remember Vanna White. Oh, yeah, she's still doing her thing. I know she's still rocking, man. But you know what's fucked up is, like, back in the day, she actually had to turn the letters. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just all, like, she just touches it. They don't even really need her there. They don't even need her there. It's, like, all touchscreen now. Yeah, that's that's wild. Yeah. Oh, man, I used to have a thing for Vanna White, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Who didn't? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. 
kind of fucked up. We're talking yeah, about how old's Vanna White now? Like sixty? Fuck, man, maybe even seventy, dude. Dear Lord, Jesus. <laughs> When Pat Sajak had his talk show, you remember this, right? Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> Did Vanna White translate to that? Was she, like, a guest on it? Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, like, that's got to be the easiest guest to get on your show at that point, right? Yeah, I, I would guess probably not. I think the whole point was to separate himself from that image. Yeah, I know. I, do you think she was begging to get on the Pat Sajak show? No, at least not after the first episode or she wasn't. Do you remember the character of Ed Grimley played by uh Martin Oh yeah, Short? I love Ed Grimley. Do you remember Ed Grimley having a picture of Pat Sajak in his apartment? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It was like his hero. It was this episode's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's gotten better. Jake, um, it's terrible most say. Oh my god, I loved <laughs> I loved Did you watch the Ed Grimley cartoon show? Oh, I love the Ed Grimley cartoon show. I think uh, the Ed Grimley cartoon show was my first exposure to Ed Grimley. And then I saw, like, the SCTV reruns on Nickelodeon. You know what was playing? Oh, I uh, see, my first exposure was the SCTV stuff. And then the character then made the switch over to SNL when Martin Short went to SNL. Yes. And then he had his own morning show. Well, did they have the – he had his own cartoon – did he do live action during the cartoon sometimes? Yes. I think they had, like, the intros and the outros. Yes. they. Yeah. Hey, Vern, it's Ernest was all live action, though. Did you Did you watch the Weird Al Saturday yeah, morning show? Yeah, it wasn't on – I think it was only a season. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken about that. Reruns. Yeah, that was, that was pretty fantastic, too. I don't – really understand why that even went off the air i think just the whole genre of those kind of shows in that time slot kind of disappeared yeah Wee herman had that shit locked up he was he just the weird al yankovic fucking show they show reruns of that on pluto tv just so you know yeah i would i would like to revisit that i probably haven't seen it since it first aired i watched a couple episodes a few weeks ago and yeah, I, I have seen Peewee's Playhouse recently as an adult, and it's still pretty fantastic. I then rubbed one out to old episodes of Crisis Right. <laughs> Climax to Wheel of Fortune. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, as I came, like, somebody, like, landed on bankrupt because, like, my penis was bankrupt of all that is. <laughs> I'm not sure that made too much sense. But I liked it, it did. It did. <laughs> I, I used I both. It was like emptying out the account, emptying out your debts, and that was like I was emptying out my balls. My balls are bankrupt. <laughs> Good thing you didn't land on lucid terms. Oh no, then I got blue balls. Ah. <laughs> this episode's terrible. I apologize, people. Um Yeah, yeah. I keep flipping back and forth on it, but now I'm back with you. It yeah, is it's, bad. Bad. it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> I talked to <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if if you were a boy in the nineties it's hard pressed that you did not jerk off to a fucking bra ad in a catalog. I'm telling you, Jake. 100%. We all did it. 
No, yeah, a hundred percent, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking at. Oh, I'm put. I'm putting together my Christmas wish list. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, I also like to uh, draw tattoos and facial hair on all the people in those. Oh, and not in the, not you know not in the bra section, but other places. No, 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 well. no, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed doing that too, Jake. <laughs> that was that was a that was a that was a like after I after I satisfied myself. <laughs> 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 Equality post activity there. <laughs> I had the whole day planned out, Jake. You know, <laughs> just hand over the Sears catalog, <laughs> make a whole weekend of it. You know, <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, yeah, that's they, funny. It's it, that, it is crazy though. Like, yeah, the length, the lengths you had to go to. Oh god, for yes. masturbation material <laughs> compared to compared to now. Totally, kids have it so easy these days, man. Sometimes yeah, I would I, have to. I can sometimes watch it right now in seconds, dude. Sometimes listen to this. Sometimes I would have to use my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I know. It's fucked up. It was taxing. It was taxing. I'll tell you that much. Took a lot of... <laughs> oh, man. And just the idea of, like, you, you'd actually... Even when you got a movie, you would have to, like, fast forward through dumb movies. Uh, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you could... And then, like, as, <laughs> you'd have to, like, rewind. Sometimes the scenes were very short. So you'd have to rewind it. Like, who wants to do... I just want to loop this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would get very awkward at certain times, yeah, too. Like, right. when it was like, oh, now I'm fucking masturbating away during a non-fucking-sex scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I was literally just watching Sharon Stone, and now I've got to watch Michael Douglas talk about whatever. Uh, that's not cool. And it wasn't like you could just pause a screen like in today's day and age. You'd pause it and you'd get three giant white lines yeah. across everything. Yeah. You were lucky to get a nipple in that. And like I, <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I wanted to see some movement, some action. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the pause screen would have worked back in the day if it would have been at least a clean pause screen. Sure. Sure. If you would have been able to pause it on like uh, on the uh, – I, on that, on the one scene that, like, that really you were that that you were yeah, there dude, for. that feels like the ultimate, like, futuristic improvement of mm-hmm. childhood masturbation, right there. Is yeah. crystal clear pause? Clear, oh, crystal clear pause. Back in the day, we would have had a literally Jake fucking pause. Like, as we're watching it, take a Polaroid of that. As it's playing in order to watch. And then, then we're looking at a shitty Polaroid trying to jerk off. Yeah, I mean, been there. (laughs) 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 
like, 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 this is the, uh, this is the, uh, uh, like the convert, like, this is the, the masturbation equivalent of like, I walked five miles to go to school uphill <laughs> in the snow. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> masturbation, <laughs> masturbation in my day. Oh, you think you got it bad? Masturbation in my day. We had to jerk off to the J.C. Penny catalog. Have you ever seen a catalog? <laughs> yeah, we were so old, socks didn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god! I don't even. What are we doing here? Yeah. What, what news do we got? What do we got? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dark Horizons. Uh, Lord of the. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing because we started doing the show again. Well, I know it's like we it gotta go so surreal. Fuck, we gotta go back to the show. Like, yeah, I don't know. Been having the fun little trip down memory lane, talking about masturbating. It was um, fun. It was fun. You know, ooh, ooh, it's taboo, taboo to talk about masturbation. It's not. Everybody does it. Everybody, you ladies are flicking the bean too. You're fucking playing with your little meat puppet down there or whatever you do. <laughs> such a such a poet. I know. I know. I'm when Jody Foster at the end of contact when she was talking about they should have said a poet, she was talking about me. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, Lord of the Rings TV series that's in development. Uh, Tolkien scholar Tom Shippey was talking about it. And he said that, uh, he believes Amazon is targeting a 20 episode first season. Oh man, what was the Tolkien scholar's name? Tom Shippey. <laughs> oh, finally someone more boring than the 12 year old we're talking about. <laughs> Shut, you stop it. <laughs> this kid is never going to listen again. I, he's fu- I bet the 12 year old seen more action than the Tolkien scholar. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. See, the, <laughs> you might have been this kid's hero. I can be I your I, hero, I, I baby. What? I bet he loves me even more now. I doubt it. I, I think he probably tuned out. He didn't even get to listen. He doesn't even know who Vanna White is. I guarantee he's probably Google search <laughs> Google searching Vanna White right now. Yeah, thank us later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, you got twenty episodes. Twenty though. episodes, Woof. right? That's uh that's an undertaking, isn't it? Yeah, that's hefty. Um I when when you hear that it's hard not to think of like the problems with American TV that a lot of right. these streaming shows have kind of eliminated, right? I, like, I think for the most part, it's been a good thing taking these 20 to 26 episode seasons and cutting the fat down to, you know, a 6 to 12 episode season. Yeah. I, and, and we've even seen, I, I read an article recently saying that Fox is considering for their series trimming them down to about a 10 episode season for those Fox shows, which I think is a great idea. Like I, you know, as far as like, I don't, it seems like, it seems like some of these networks are so worried that you're going to go somewhere else and watch something else that they're like, okay, we're going to, I'm, you like the blacklist? Well, I'm going to give you 20 fucking episodes of this thing. So we got you locked up for the next 20 weeks. 
Yeah, right. I I guess that's the whole purpose of the long season. I but I, the story just suffers so much, and it only really works with these one and done kind of procedural shows anymore mm-hmm. these days, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really like a tighter story. Um, not that I don't like filler episodes and things. Like sometimes filler episodes can be some of my favorite episodes in television series. Sure, they can they can do stuff in filler episodes that they sometimes can't do with like the main continuity, right? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes sometimes it's fun to kind of step away from the main story and just do pure character exploration. Sure, and. I, I feel like that becomes a bit more difficult when you really tighten down the hatches on the episode count. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I still think 20, 20 plus episodes of anything a season is is too extreme. Yeah, it is. Like that's God damn it. Here's the thing. It's one of the reasons that I'm not in today's day and age. This was not a problem 10, 15 years ago. I was watching 20 plus episodes of Smallville on CW. That was no problem for me. I actually enjoyed it. But in today's day and age, when we've got streaming services, where something new is released every week, and not only will they release one episode, but they'll release the entire season of Glow in one fucking day, I think our attention spans... Only a lot for maybe 10 episodes anymore, Jake. I, I don't know if we're there for me. I'm not, I I'm not, I'm not talking about my fucking parents or some fucking retired couple in, you know, Bradenton, Florida. I'm talking about younger people that, you know, I, I, I'm there, dude, I'm there for 10 fucking episodes. I don't know if I want to fucking put up with 20 episode seasons and shit. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think another argument is there's something to be said about maintaining kind of that pop culture it factor. And I feel like 20 weeks of being like at the top of, you know, everyone's focus and attention is just too much for anything to ask for. Holy shit, yeah. Can you imagine fucking season eight of uh, Game of Thrones being 26 episodes? Yeah, exactly. I think there's something to be said about um, the hype factor when you do shorter seasons, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone knows it's six, eight episodes, ten episodes. I think in in some ways it kind of increases the awareness, the the shortness of it. And I know there's those people out there that will argue with both Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, you know, any of these adapted materials. You'll always get those people that just don't even understand why, hey, it should be 40 episodes. It's Lord of the Rings. There's there's so much material, Brian. You know, they could make 80 episodes, you know. But you, you kind of forget just about kind of like how pacing works and just mm-hmm. awareness. And, you know, you lose kind of storytelling. It's like the thing has to be good, too, you know. Well, sure. It's like, yeah, 40 episodes is great. Over four years. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, that's one of the things that I love about Rick and Morty is that they pace themselves. It seems like we are going to get seasons four and five relatively quicker. But it feels like Dan Harmon has had the freedom to to put these seasons together. But, like, you know, for as much as people are, like, release Rick and Morty, you know, because they're waiting on these seasons, like, 
I have no problem waiting a year and a half to two years for a great season of Rick and Morty. I would rather wait than get a uh, crappy season, you know? I, yeah, agreed. And and numbers prove that people come back to the shows, like these popular shows, like your Rick and Morty's, your yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like when you take longer than a year break, the numbers just are even bigger than last time. Right. So you're not losing your audience. In fact, you're increasing your audience. Oh, man. Do you remember getting that new catalog, that new JCPenney's catalog? Oh, yeah. Dude, I got <laughs> new boobies to look at, man. <laughs> Dude, you would throw the old sticky one in the garbage. I know. It's gone. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> bye bye. Out with the old, in with the new. Yeah, you'd have to. I would always have to kind of steal mine from the family too. Oh, really? See, my, uh, we had a, uh, we had kind of like a little. I, I want to say like in the there's a hallway that had a cupboard, and that's where all the magazines were, and that's. Oh, uh, where... so it was like a community catalog. You just yeah. put it back. Yeah, exactly. You know kind of like going to the library checking it out for a little bit yeah dude you know? i would have to like steal it and like just mix it in with like my pile of like highlights magazines and mm. shit. yeah oh man <laughs> i get what would be fucked up is if somebody presented me with one of those magazines from the the catalogs from the eighties, and I could flip back through, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, remember that? I remember page three seventy two. Oh, legendary! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what she's up to these days. Yeah, how many of those girls that we masturbated to are now dead?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue probably most of them. <laughs> wait, wait, where is it? Like, how, like, where in, uh, like, where in your life does it come down to, like, uh, I'm going to be like an underwear model for a JCPenney's ad? Oh, I, I don't think there's any disgrace in that, right? Shit, man. Pay me the money if I look good enough to do that. No, I'm not, hey, I'm not shaming. I'm just saying, like, how do you get into that? I think you just know. Like, if I looked in the mirror and I could be an underwear model, I just assume I'd know. But do you, do you think that there's, like, different, like, uh, there's definitely different fucking uh, rankings as far as, like, the magazines? Do you think, like, other people within the industry look down on people that are, like, you were in, <laughs> you were in July's fucking issue uh catalog for like th- that store oh i get what you're saying like you're in some fucking like farm and fleet outlet catalog <laughs> or some bullshit <laughs> no, i don't know farm and fleet <laughs> <laughs> wearing a fucking winter coat <laughs> how the mighty have fallen <laughs> You, you used to be, you used to be the king of Sears. Now look at you at fucking farm and fleet. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe we're talking about farm and fleet catalog now. <laughs> is that even? Does that you don't even? Does anyone even know what we're talking about? Is that a local? I don't. I, farm and fleet. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know. How do we? It's like a Kmart, but like 
a more rural Kmart. Very rural, of. yeah. But the, uh, if you want to buy like bulk cheese balls, they got them there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I bought a lot of fucking Return of the Jedi toys at the old farm and fleet when I was a kid. Oh, they had them there. Yeah, man, they had like racks of them. Man, I didn't know that. I was going to KB stores. Yeah, they had a pretty good. We went to Farm and Fleet for all my Pinewood Derby stuff too. Oh, Pinewood Derby! I, 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 I was, uh, I was in the Pinewood Derby. I did that stuff. Yeah, remember the fucking kids where it was so obvious their fucking parents did everything. Oh fuck yeah, fuck those kids. <laughs> the fucking cars in a fucking briefcase and shit. Yeah. Man. Oh man, yeah, those were fun. I still have my old Pinewood Derby car. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, mine was silver, and it had a silver driver. Silver. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, mine did not have a person in it. Yeah, it mine. had a steering wheel, but I did not put a person in it. Yeah, mine had a little guy in it. Uh, I used to work out at the mall, and they used to have Pinewood Derby contests out there. And there was a guy that was so into it that he would have his derby cars. He had a semi on a string, and he would roll it on the ground with his with his cars in it like it was actually pulling up to the event oh boy yeah that guy never got laid that guy never masturbated to a fucking jc <laughs> penny <catalog. laughs> like no, a real man he did like a real man <laughs> real men do oh man pinewood derby that's crazy yeah do kids do that anymore yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Why even fuck with that, man? Now you can get those fucking sweet-ass motorized cars. That's yeah, true. Wesley Snipes is joining the cast of Coming to America too, Jake. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, in the new film, Akeem is about to become king when he discovers he has a long-lost son in Queens and set off to find him. Snipes will play a new character named General Izzy who rules a neighboring country to Zamunda. And then James Earl Jones is returning... As well as John Amos, who played uh, Mr. McDowell, and he was also yeah, that's awesome. He was also the father in Good Times. Am I the only one that thought as soon as the Blade Three announcement, or not Blade Three, but the Blade reboot announcement happened, Wesley Snipes was like, "Oh shit, I guess I better get a job now." <laughs> it ain't happening. Signing on for a movie. I do you think that? Okay, I still think like they might. Sign him on to do something in the in the Marvel movie. I think. They, yeah, I, I do agree that that possibility is out there. I still want to see him as the Whistler, the guy that like makes all the gadgets and shit for fucking. I think that'd be cool playing that Chris yeah, Christopherson role. I think now that we've seen the um, I guess spoilers. Um, I won't even put it in context, but the J.K. Simmons stuff happened that kind of opens the door for it seeming more realistic that they would do that move too. Well, J.K. Simmons is playing the same character. Like he'd be, yeah. playing, he, you know, he'd be playing a completely new character. Yeah, that that's true. That That's true. Hmm. Mm, that'd be hard to buy. I think him playing a new character. Yeah. I don't know. It happens all the time in these fucking movies. Yeah, I know, but it's usually not a new character within the same exact franchise. Sometimes it is. I'm trying to think, like, off the top of my head, like, of, yeah, you had Christopher Reeve on Smallville. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I get what you're saying. That that kind of thing does happen. It happened a lot in, in that show. 
Yeah, it happened a ton. Like, Linda Carter, she plays the president in Supergirl, which I know, you know, she was Wonder Woman, so it's not like it's a Wonder Woman series, but... Yeah. Yeah, it happened in, like, the, the last Ghostbusters reboot, right? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows what they're going to do? They might not do anything with Wesley Snipes. Who knows? Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wasn't trying to say, like, uh, you know, that would suck. I... Yeah, just it just like, does feel like Wesley Snipes has been kind of beaten the drum about wanting to still do it for a long time, and then the second something else happens, it's you know weeks later he's doing a movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, last thing I remember him in was like uh, one of the Expendables movies. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything in a long time. Yeah, I don't know what do we got here? Marvel news. Marvel news, people. <laughs> I'll play the bumper. Hold on, I'll play it. Marvel News. Uh, Andy Serkis going to direct uh, Venom 2, Jake. Yeah, um... That's interesting. We talked about this kind of already, wondering if it would happen. What no, we, we about talked it about it within those two hours that never were aired. Oh, so yeah, we've never spoke of this before. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is interesting. Um, you know, he's not going to be doing anything other than directing from what we've heard, like not even any mocap or anything. So I don't know. I, I The only other thing he's directed, to my knowledge, is that other jungle book movie he did um, uh breathe uh don't breathe which was the uh scott lang film with i the, did not realize that that was directed by him yeah it was uh his first directorial movie and then his second one was mowgli legend of the jungle which was a direct to netflix uh, after warner brothers wasn't able to i guess get it released theatrically and I, I guess it just didn't make sense after the jungle book came out john yeah i th- I, I, I think they could have i think they made the decision not to yeah just based on how much it would cost to you know promote it with what it would make probably a smart move is this but a good yeah, fit I mean, is this a good fit venom too yeah i i think so um i, I think it might draw a little bit of, of awareness to it um I think they just wanted to fucking put someone in the fucking seat here and get this thing moving as fast as possible, honestly. If uh, Circus was ready to go, here's the job, let's go, is kind of what it felt like to me. I was like, I, I think to myself, I think like uh, getting Circus in there with uh, these scenes of, you know, these symbiotes, these monsters fighting each other, if, if that's what we're going to get here, is, you know, Venom versus Carnage, which they kind of tease in the last movie. I think this would be a, a good guy to get involved in this project. We'll see. Yeah, I agree with that. That's smart. I like, he's going to know where to point the camera for maximum impact when it comes to putting in, you know, post-CGI characters. Like, like yeah. he has very much an eye for that and experience for what it takes on both sides there. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I, he's definitely not the worst fit for this. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. It'll be interesting to just, just see what this movie does. I don't after know. After the yeah. kind of 
unwarranted popularity of the first one. Yeah, I was thinking like you know even at like I wonder what like what what Tim Miller what, you know the first director of Deadpool could have done with this series. He'd be another good one, interesting choice to explore. Yeah, that that's that's not bad. Like I, I feel like he could have some really bombastic kinetic action sequences. Like mm-hmm. I guess that's the one thing. Like Circus is going to know how to best like film for the mocap, but is he going to be able to do like just white knuckle kinetic comic book movie action sequences? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there was a lot of. Uh... Yeah, it's really hard to say as far as like taking his two other movies into account here. You know, uh, was it Don't Breathe and then uh, Mowgli? Yeah, neither are really. You don't really think of either. Do either of those movies even have an action sequence? I mean, maybe something on a smaller scale in Mowgli, but Don't Breathe is pretty much all suspense, from I, what I know. I mean, this guy has been around though, as far as like uh, being around the sets on these Marvel movies. I'm sure he's picked up a little bit here and there. He was on. The set of Age of Ultron first, and then he, of course, he was in Black Panther. So we'll see. I hope, I don't know. I'm hoping the best for Venom 2, cause, uh, uh, that first one, I know a lot of people hate it. I kind of love it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but one of my least favorite parts of that movie was how much of a clown Woody Harrelson looked like. Oh, in that role. Yeah, he looked like uh, Sideshow Bob in The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, so I am pretty nervous about how that's going to all pan out and look. Yeah. Uh, I love Woody Harrelson, but I'm just still not buying him as that character. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But, dude, he was he was a fucking great villain in that uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, man. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the best performances he's done in one of these blockbusters in a while, though. Like, I don't know. He Most times, Woody doesn't do much for me in these big... Like, I didn't much care for him in Solo. Uh, yeah. I don't think... So. He, yeah, I don't know. It's not like I'm sitting around reflecting on the performance that he put on. And solo, but I think like, let's see, what new movie is he gonna be in? What was it? It's oh, it's that new uh, that new uh, fighter jet movie with Alex Screen. Oh, we talked about it. I can't remember. Fucking uh, what's his name's in it? Patrick Patrick McFlurfels in it. Oh, God. Good old Patrick McFlurful. <laughs> Dude, Patrick McFlurful. And, uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny Stockenfluck is in it as well. I'm making up names. These are not real names. <laughs> They're not making up. Oh, you don't God. say. What was it? Midway. That Midway. It's called Midway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That looked decent. It's really good. He's in that one. They didn't really show him a lot in the trailer. Did you see the news from Deadline? ABC lines up Marvel adaptation and talks for mostly brand new female superhero. Mm-mm. ABC is in active talks about bringing another Marvel female superhero to the network. So they're ending Shield, and now they're going to start up a whole new series with a f- female superhero 
The broadcaster is working with it. This is from Deadline. The broadcaster is working with its Disney sibling on another comic book adaptation. This comes as Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is set to finish after its upcoming seventh season. The hope is seemingly to ensure that there is at least one Marvel property on the air on the broadcast network at any given time. However, it's not clear whether the adaptation is being lined up for the broadcaster's traditional development season or will be developed off-cycle. That's interesting. I kind of thought that they would just wash their hands of having Marvel stuff on ABC, honestly. I'm I'm a little bit surprised by this. I I, I was hoping that they would have. Right, because it... I mean, it seems like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, I mean, even though it's connected to the MCU, won't be anywhere near as connected as the stuff we're getting on Disney+. Plus. I think Marvel at this point is kind of like McDonald's when it comes <laughs> to hamburgers. You don't need to remind people that you sell hamburgers. It's not like people have forgotten. I don't think that you need to have this series on ABC to remind people that Marvel is still a thing. Like, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not like whether or not an ABC, ABC show exists depends on whether Marvel is relevant or not. Right. Like that, that is pretty crazy. It's just like, do you have to have an ABC? We'll see. We'll see what, we'll see what the character is that they want to. I don't know. I just, I honestly, Jake, I feel like I don't care. About any character that they bring into like ABC, like all the Marvel stuff that I want to see is the stuff that's been connected to the MCU that I'm going to be able to watch on Disney Plus. I want to watch WandaVision. I want to watch Loki. I want to watch, you know, Captain uh, Captain uh, was it uh, yeah Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's the shit I want to watch. I, I don't give a fuck about what eight. I didn't give a fuck about Agents of Shield to begin with uh, after the. God, I stuck with it until nearly the end of the second season, and I watched three episodes. Yeah, I I was maybe three or four episodes away from finishing the second season. I was like, you know what, I'm I'm out, I'm tapping out. You would think after the Inhumans debacle, they like like I said, they would just give up on this. Um, this feels just like. Jeff Loeb, right? Because I don't think Jeff Loeb has any much influence on the Disney Plus stuff. I think it's him trying to kind of do his last flexes as, as far as doing Marvel Entertainment too here. Yeah, he's still doing. He's doing Marvel TV. I know. Is he involved at all in uh, like the Cloak and Dagger stuff or the Runaway stuff? I believe yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I know Cloak and Dagger. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere it got renewed for a third season. Yeah, they're crossing over with Runaways. I read that as well. Um, yeah, I've read that that's actually increased in popularity since the last season. So that's good to hear. I'm actually surprised that that was able to find an audience. Um, I didn't stick with it, but I really mm-hmm. liked what I saw. The one time I had um, the Sears catalog and the J.C. Penny catalog crossover in a fantasy that I jerked off to. Yeah, dude. You have to. Did you ever, like, take post-it notes and just put them, like, where you needed them to be so you could find the pages you wanted really fast? I would just, I would bend the pages. Mm. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that Like, a little what, ear marker. What do they call that? What do they call that? When you, dog ear. Dog ear. Yeah, I just dog ear the pages. 
<laughs> easy access. You know what I mean? That's smart too. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you would just want to instantly turn to a different page, but right. not, like obviously you got important stuff going on with the other hand, so you don't want to be fumbling around with like bad pages. Right. And you know, it's not like a like a flip book. You know, oh man, do you think people fucking jerked off back in like the twenties to flip books and shit? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's that's coordination, dude. Yeah, to that's be able like to, the height that's of the, technology. <laughs> flipping through like you know what I mean? And then like uh trying to squeeze one out in that time. Mm. Yeah, it took a special skill to operate a flip book with one hand. Totally, totally dead. Only the uh, the rich could afford somebody could afford somebody to flip through that book for them. <laughs> and even that got kind of awkward. It did with the person there. It's like why aren't, why aren't I fucking them? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I literally have a human being in front of me. <laughs> They're at my beck and call. They're flipping this book for me. Why am I not fucking them right now? Why am I having flipped through this book? So I can rub one out. This is weird. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Even the person flipping the book is like, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to be fucked. Like, what? Like, why <laughs> Why is this not happening? What, I gotta, I gotta start over and flip it again? Yeah, I gotta flip it again? Huh? You could be flipping me over right now. Huh? <laughs> I got fun on both sides of my body. <laughs> you be flipping me over. Fucking me like a... Like a weird pancake on a griddle. I don't, Jake, I don't even know what I'm saying. You know, let's just end this shit. How about that? Yeah, How does it sound? I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. This one's been a, a little bit of a disaster. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> We've You've scarred a 12-year-old. <laughs> and that was like the height of the episode. That was the best. Like it doesn't get any. It doesn't get any better from there. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I enjoyed the um, catalog talk. This from is for us though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Whatever. As far as entertainment value, yeah. it's kind of lacking. It's for us. That was for us. Like if you people were along for the ride and enjoying it yourselves. That's fine. We didn't do it for you. It was all for us. <laughs> I like that, though. The part of the episode we enjoyed ourselves the most was fuck everyone else. That's fuck for you. Us. Yeah, exactly. It was all for us. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Now I'm yawning, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, come on. Really? You got to turn into Scott Shooty in the final oh, moments man. here? Uh, yeah, you said we're wrapping it up, and I, I let, I let kind of loose a little early there. Yeah, you did. Uh, I want to thank Rebecca for joining us for the first 12 minutes of the episode. Really. <laughs> I want to thank Rebecca for all her amazing segues while she was on, too. <laughs> so what's fucked up is, like, she will listen to this and she'll feel bad. She'll feel bad about it, Jake. It wasn't her fault. No, no. We we felt bad. She felt bad. Exactly. Like, I felt worse for her that she had internet problems and that it was embarrassing her and she was all worried about how we were feeling. And I made the 12-minute joke because it was just, I felt it would be funny in the moment. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. It, was, it was a gross exaggeration. It's too. a gross it exaggeration. It it's a Brian thing to say, right? You know, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, like where, where most hosts would say something nice, like, "Oh, I'm really sorry that Rebecca couldn't make it for the rest of the episode." You know what I mean? That boring shit. I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Let's fuck with one of the nicest people alive. Let's do this. <laughs> They're lucky they got anything after Rebecca went away. We we could have just hung it up right there. Exactly. We could be like, fuck this. It's not working out. You're not going to get. You're not going to get to the gold. Which is us talking about fucking masturbating the JC Penny catalogs. Exactly. That is the uh it's the gold st- God damn it, man. That's a thing that I did in my life, Jake. There was a moment. Yeah. There was a there was a moment where I was like, Yeah, it's time to go to that fucking I'm gonna pull that shelf out and uh I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna pull out this magazine. Gonna have a little bit of private time. I'm going to flip to these pages where these women have posed for, uh, it sounds dirty now that I say it like this. Now that I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, these women were just trying to show off stuff that would support women's breasts. And here I am as a, as a young child, just, just turned on, (laughs) turned on as a child. (laughs) Oh, they knew what they were doing. (laughs) Oh, Whoa. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like you're saying they were asking for it, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were doing. I'll just leave it at that. We <laughs> should Shouldn't they? They should have like conventions for these women, right? Where we like, we take like their little bra ad and like they they sign it. and We take a picture with them, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. We never talk about like the masturbation. Like it's just it's unspoken, but we all know it happened. <laughs> like the only reason I'm there with my 1988 J.C. Penny catalog is because I jerked off into this thing. Because of, you know, your ad. And they're signing it. I'm getting a photo op. You know, I'm paying like the, 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 the 20. <laughs> does fucking, does black permanent marker even work on 30 year old dry jizz? <laughs> does it just, just, <laughs> does it just smear? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm totally gonna start a convention. I'm going to reach out to some of these ladies that were in these iconic catalogs that we had a lot of fun to. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait for those panels. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is moderating those panels. <laughs> Sounds like a job for Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Oh, he'd make a joke like, yeah, um, I was Chris Harddick back then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This PR guy probably wouldn't let him do that. Probably not. (laughs) We shouldn't be saying anything of (laughs) We shouldn't be saying any of this, Jake. Yeah, no. No, let's end the episode. (laughs) 
half of this. Are we getting any more trouble? Half of this episode was just like a, a trip down memory lane of teenage masturbation. <laughs> Not the first time won't be the last. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, anyway, hey, uh, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for your patrons. Thanks for listening. Uh, how's it? What do I say at the end, Jake? What do I do? Oh, don't ask me. Yeah. Oh, and just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. Thanks for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode two ninety seven. See ya. And later, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Toss it, good it taste. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And live a shaft of crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Good and toss it, good and taste Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over, counterculture push over Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say it's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.